COVID episode. Welcome to the COVID <laughs> edition, aka yeah. the return of Colin, aka Doctor Strange. Colin, do I like the bomb and vaccine, starring Tony Morales? What's Word. up, guys? Yeah, I lost my sense of taste around uh, around like six o'clock, and I was like, I better get out of work. According to some of his ex-girlfriends, he never had taste. <laughs> wow and That's messed up too Because it turns to it right around on them And according to my therapist My friends as well <laughs> <laughs> So yeah we might sneeze Cough Blow our nose Who the hell knows what's going to go on uh, Dude I was intentionally yeah. I was intentionally trying to fart my ass off in my office Seeing if I could smell it And I was like god damn it's not happening that's uh, that's intense, dude. That's a, that's a Saturday Night Live sketch right there. Could be called Lauren Michaels. Could be. Yeah. I uh, I got, I got. What, 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 the last time we talked? Oh, okay. We recorded recently. We were, we did a Star Trek episode, and I was like, I, I got fired. I got fired off of that show. I got fired. And uh, on Saturday, Sunday night. My girlfriend is working on that project still, and they find out that one of the cast members has COVID, and she, of course, has to work in close proximity to these dudes who are well-known to be partying all weekend, which for her was Monday, Tuesday. I go down to see her on Monday, start feeling rough. She's not feeling so good. We feel like crap all day Tuesday, and now it is Wednesday. And I drove back up here, and I'm like, man, I don't feel, I feel, I've not felt so good. So I've got a, I've got a test tomorrow. You've got a test tomorrow, I feel right? Like, I feel like I'm in slow motion, but even then, I mean, like, all right, so your girlfriend was hanging out with some dudes at party, but we went to Lubbock. We win. <laughs> she was at work. Yeah. We I was win. looking for, I was looking for purchase property like a dummy right now in this environment we had right now russia is about to invade ukraine and uh in the midst of covid and, and super or semiconductor shortages yep now great i didn't go nowhere without my mask i made sure to be on the safe side yeah dude i'm wearing a mask everywhere and i'm still i'm like i feel like i i'm probably a, gonna be a breakthrough infection i gotta yeah. find out well, yeah. That's the thing, man. You can take all the precautions. Just sometimes, you know, just it is what it is, man. You know, yeah. <clears throat> being a DJ, throwing my dick on the crapshoot, uh, like many a night, I'm not too angry. I just mm-hmm. don't want to lose out on work money. <laughs> but I can't, like, you know, I mean, yeah. like, it, it is what it is. But we went to the. We went to Lubbock. Tony and I had to behave ourselves because we picked up uh, our homegirl Lil, and we only got to go to one comic store. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> that was that was because that that wasn't their fault though. That was the uh, the events of the morning. Unfortunately, yeah, things they, didn't quite uh yeah the events of the go morning, as planned. Yeah, that, that's fine. It happens, I mean, but even then, uh, uh, Tony scored some major score. I found something I've been looking for for years. Uh, I found uh, some personal spawn issues. Uh, Return of Suture, which like healed a hole in my heart. One of my favorite characters of all time, which is only. Uh, in a short uh, Curse of the Spawn uh, I want to say it was like uh, I want to say it was 4, 5, and 6 uh, no I'm sorry 5, 6, and 7 where Suture first shows up and um, got the return of her and it was it was like the classic over the top late 90s shit and you got some Mr. Miracle uh, well you, you, I'm not going to tell you you're your haul you, let us know what you got nah see I got some uh, <laughs> I got some Mr. Miracles I got a Original run, I believe, issues 20 and 8, I believe, which I'm only like 8 issues away from the entire first run of Mr. Miracle. I picked up New Mutants 95, which was the final issue I needed in the Extinction, the original Extinction Agenda crossover series. Death of Warlock, baby. And it, yep. Ended up finding um, some Batman, some Detective I've been looking for. Um, some got some regular X Men and some classic Uncanny X Men, including issue 151, where they crucify Wolverine in Australia. Uh, Donald Pierce and the Reavers do classic ass. Yeah, 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 for real. Yeah, and it's that yeah, iconic cover with mm-hmm. him on the on the X cross. Yes. And then uh, issue two ninety. Um, is, is that the Barry Windsor? Smith it, was, it was issue two fifty one and two ninety, which is the one with Storm, Ooh. Storm's face in the rain. Storm in the rain. Which was so. the, which was the one the Barry Windsor Smith cover where uh, Wolverine's all plugged up? Oh, uh, I know that. Is like, that an X Men book or is that an actual Wolverine? Is no, that a Marvel Comics present? It's, it's an uncanny. It's, a, it's an uncanny. Yeah, it's uncanny X Men. I can't remember that. I want to say cause I don't think it's issue one thirty one because I think that's right before the Phoenix Dark Phoenix Saga. It's a definitely a later okay. issue, but I can't recall which one it is off the top of my head. Yeah, we had an amazing conversation about stylization and the development of Arvis on the way home. Uh, particularly about that, about how when you look at a cover or anyone's art, and be like, "Oh, that's Junior Junior, and that's uh, the Luna Brothers." Mm-hmm. Um, I took one look at that, and I'm like, "That's fucking Windsor Smith." Immediately, fucking gorgeous. And uh, no. if, if I'm not mistaken, you and I got that another classic cover of Mohawk uh, Bear Windsor Smith uh, drawn Storm in the rain flying. It was just her with the Mohawk. We both. Oh got yeah, that. no, definitely, yeah. Yeah, we both got that at Ed's a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what I was uh, proposing before we started recording is we, we got to find like a place like in Vegas was wrong. I, I said Vegas at first, guys. Sorry, my builders. I made the mistake and said Vegas. I say we find some podunk place. Like Las Cruces, or fucking, uh, or uh, or uh, you, you know, some place that's got like four, four or five comic stores, and we go and spend the like, and go and fucking rob the place. 
because we're we're pretty close to. Mm, I can think of some good places to go. And please, what do you got? Oh, like I mean, dude, I remember going to Lawrence, Kansas, years ago, and being quite surprised that there was as much going on by way of like. There was a collective, like Mass Street, Massachusetts Street. There were all kinds of cool places and venues to go. And then there was like, yay, here's a here's a toy store. And it was like, hey, here's original Kenner Star Wars stuff in the box for outrageous prices. But then, and you're like, there's no way I'll ever be interested in paying this. But then you go down the street and there's a comic book store. And he's got hundreds and hundreds, thousands of books in short boxes under the table and they're they're just the, the the bags are disintegrating on them and stuff like that and you're like how much do you want for these and uh, he's like uh, what are you talking about dude you go in and make some crazy deal i went to you know portland oregon that place was nuts you go in every, everything seemed like it was priced to move up there uh, that's Portland sounds too pricey. I say we go to like some like a place like Lubbock <laughs> you, or, or Amarillo. We go. You want to go stay cheap, eat cheap, buy high. That's what you want. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I'm down. I'm down to try it out. I'm down to. We can we can find some communal. I'm down. There's there's probably two more trips before we have completely. I mean, made. dude, freaking everybody, do freaking I. Everybody knows about my uh, my distaste for Amarillo as a town, as a place. But freaking every time we go there, freaking every time we hit up freaking Big Apple, I walk out with something I would not find here. Never. Never. Every like I out of that new mutants ninety five I've been looking for, I have literally yeah. scoured Colorado Springs looking oh, for that dude. issue. Yeah. I could not find it anywhere. My, uh, did you see my my uh my warlock action figure that, that I got? No, man. No, is it the free is it the build a figure one? No, it's not. That one's going for quite a lot right now. Hold on, let me mm-hmm. grab it. It's in the other room. I'm gonna bring cool. that to you. We, we, yeah, no, I, I look over there. Freaking, um, we were talking about Kingdom Come. Yeah. They had all the uh, all four issues there. Could not find anything of that nature here. Freaking, I mean, Podunk might be the way to go because no, like like we were talking earlier, nobody's gonna go to the stores. Yeah, buy cheese. So like they're yeah. they're just, they're they're sitting. On possible gold, dude. We've got maybe two more trips where we've completely looted Amarillo and Lubbock. I, I don't. I, I can't say I agree with you on that. Maybe just because freaking we keep getting surprised. How much? How much stuff there is? Here you go. Here's my '98, 1998 Warlock. Oh, oh that gnarly. is awesome. Isn't it nifty? That's not a legend. Let's get the Bigfoot. No, it's before Marvel Legends. And then, you know, like, this actually fires a disc, his arm. Oh, so, nice. yeah, uh, minefielders, this is a posable uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points of articulation. Uh, Warlock. Uh, Warlock is, of course, um, a char- like New Mutants. He's a character he's from an alien race that is a techno race came to Earth and was being chased down by his father that was like the emperor of the planet and uh, made friends with Doug Ramsey, Cypher, a mutant who's uh, yeah, yeah, a mutant who could understand him because of his powers of linguistics and uh, 
The fun with Warlock is that the character can be drawn any way you want to. It is basically an amorphous mass of uh, of nanobots, I guess. And so he he's famous. always more or less depicted with the same type of like crazy ex, ex, uh, uh, expression with this wild kind of like flared out hair. It's not even hair. You know, you know who the hell knows exactly what it is. Exactly. But um, basically the, the action figure is rad because he's he's like yellow translucent with black and uh, then painted on yellow highlights. And the, I just, the expression is killer. Yeah. Did that come out? I don't know. At a certain point, I started trying really hard to find Warlock related issues. Uh, but I got this at uh, Shadow Mountain Comics and Collectibles at Sick First. And, um, what brand is it? Sheridan and Tulsa. It's Toy Biz, man. Yeah, for real. I mean, this is legit, like, uh, time period, 1998 Toy Biz, when, you may go back and think about how what we read when we read the unofficial uh, Marvel uh, biography. Biography? I don't know. We're a little loopy with the uh, with the COVID, but the um, we presume. But uh, and he they were talking about in that book how, of course, Marvel was. You know, how are we going to keep being solvent? We're not. You know, we're not selling the comics, and so doing the licensing to be able to do the action figures and then it was like I'm trying to remember I think they bought Toy Biz or Toy Biz bought Marvel and uh, they were like yeah we'll just license out the toys that's what you want is to sell action figures if your print media isn't working out did that, did that come out pre-Failings Covenant? Warlock was definitely yeah, yeah. no no no, no. Yeah, I mean, the, the Warlock the toy the toy I couldn't tell you what year that was. Are you talking about the phalanx business that happened in the uh, Annihilation saga? Yeah. If that that was freaking 98, I believe that came out, that particular toy would have come out after the phalanx because Generation X started in 96, and the phalanx covenant was uh, where all the Generation X characters debuted. So that would be so the phalanx phalanx would be like ninety five. Did, didn't they do two episodes of phalanx covenant like at the tail end of uh, X Men animated series? I know. They mm-hmm. did. Yeah, I believe they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they did. Okay, so I know they definitely had Warlock in there as like a speaking character as well. So what we're trying to say is, is Warlock is a shit, and it's Warlock it's a, is a great character. Yeah. It's a challenging character. Um, uh. Tony, is there any, uh, and, and Colin, uh, any other characters that would come out during the Jim Lee run or the, um, you know, Pentultimate, everyone loves Jim Lee, even though he's already an image, uh, that are challenging characters that you love that you, you would recommend to anyone in, in the same vibration as Warlock? I mean... There's a few. Well, I mean, like, you were talking about, like, X-Men in particular? Yeah, X-Men. They're, they're because not, they're I, not I, X-Men Gold or, or, or Blue. <coughs> um, like, anyone that you'd recommend that was around that time uh, that you really just attached yourself to because you were so invested. The crazy thing is that, and I, I'm not going to be able to qualify it perfectly in time, that they... How do I get at this? You've got Jim Lee's X-Men in, like, 1993. 
and then you've got uh, you've got the X Men cartoon. It's not long after that, but still very well dictated by what was going on in that in that X book at the time. Correct. And it's not so much that it's like, hey, we're forcing this. It was like, it, like, dude, it was Rogue. The whole concept of Rogue fascinated me because when I'm a kid and I'm reading comic books, I don't know anything about some random character that was a the freak of the week. Uh, you know, two or three or five or ten years ago, uh, when when they show up and do something naughty, and now they're a good guy, and they're just inserted into this team, and we're all aware of the team, but we don't really understand all of the characters unless we've been really, really keeping up with it. And so, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on this for a second. Like, you get you get to the point when when I say like I'm in middle school and I'm in junior high. And even in high school, I wasn't going to the comic book store as often because it was hard for me to get out and do that. I wasn't driving. I didn't have any money. It was a scramble for me to come up with all the Spider-Man books. So I wasn't picking up X-Men books. But then when when it was like, oh, that's a new number one. That's a new number two. That's a new. I can keep up with that. And it's a launch off point for me. That's the marketing strategy for getting your younger brother into the books in that time period. And now That's it's awesome. a freaking matter of course. We've definitely talked about that. Uh, this was heavily detailed to me in the past by uh, a guy that you and I know uh, who works for DC Warner Brothers now. But, um, Sterling? Like I, I was like I didn't know anything about some of these characters. When you watch that show, and it was like, you know, hey, here is a character that is constantly featured and a headliner. And I'm like, I don't know anything about Rogue, but they're really dominating the storylines of this character because there's this tragedy behind her. Like that really, she really like locked into me. I and. Uh, then, you know, years later, I was like, okay, well, I want to read all the Rogue books. And I was like, damn, there's way more than I could ever possibly hope to have uh, at that time period. I don't know, Tony, what do you think? Uh, X-Men, like, that was kind of when I really started. It was like that Jim Lee X-Men mm-hmm. run. You know, I was really, I was, you know, reading that. I think I was mm-hmm. probably in like fifth, sixth grade when I yeah. got into it. Yeah, you're like we would just years, pass them around school. You're two years older than me. I was in fourth grade. Absolutely sixth grade. Mm. Yeah. So freaking, you know, I was reading that, you know, same time out, you know, you get Batman, the animated series, you get X-Men, the oh, animated totally. series. You know, we were just, it was, it was one of those things where, like, just kind of kids met, struck. You know, for me, that my, my character was always Gambit. I always thought Gambit was just amazing. Gambit, like everybody took off with Gambit. Like yeah, you Gambit couldn't was... help but love Wolverine, but it was like Gambit was a big deal to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And even the guys that you'd run around with, you'd see in classes, who didn't care about comics. If they knew if you they heard you talking about X-Men or something, they'd be like, I like Gambit. And you're like, yeah. oh, cool, oh, cool, I get that. Thank you for chiming in for once and yeah. and also for not treating us like dweebs. Because you couldn't help it. That freaking show was awesome. And like I remember being at scout camp and some of the 20 somethings guys who were the way cool kids compared to us. uh, Those dudes were all talking about Batman. Like they're just like, you know, I mean, just like what this guy that's an adult is into this Batman cartoon. They even like Mighty Mouse. 
That was on. <laughs> Your call? Mighty Mouse was great. Yeah. Mighty Mouse, series. Mighty Mouse came out. Uh, I remember I was always up early because my dad would wake me up with that bullshit like flicking the lights thing. Uh, the what? Your dad's ever wake you up for school and just flick the lights on you until you got your ass out? Oh of yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom, uh, mom, my, sometimes did that. Money Mouse came out before the good cartoons came out, so Money Mouse was on when you're waking up, and <laughs> yeah. and then by the time you got out of a shower and dressed, the good shit was on. Uh, my guy, and I'm not trying to be indie here, but like Colin, you know this uh, because I've always talked about it. My guy was Morph. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about the. Pop- yeah, yeah, yeah. We have talked about that. I'm not talking about the popular morph from Age of Apocalypse. I'm talking about the fucking dude with his hair in his face, uh, leather bomber yeah, jacket. Yeah, his like melted face appearance. The, yeah, the, he, the he, bags under his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like and he he had one of my favorite lines. Like it was a uh, <coughs> Night of the Sentinels was the first episode. Yeah. yeah, something like that. United Sentinels, and you know they're they're breaking into God knows or whatever they're breaking into, and uh, Sentinel shows up and Morpheus is like, Wolverine, pull back, and like it, and the fact that a guy that had no healing power, no like power other than faking things and being a, a jokester, um, pushed Wolverine that way. But that had such an impact on me, man. Like, Wolverine would have been fun. <laughs> like, they, they, they could have, like, that symbol could have obliterated 99.9999% of Wolverine's body and he still would have regenerated. But he still took the hit. He still took the hit and we got that, like, like, while the things were going, I really liked that, like, daytime drama thing that they did with Morph would show up every now and then, like, completely under the control of Sinister. And, and every now and then would have a moment of oh, sobriety yeah. and be like, no, 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 you gotta go. This is a trap. Or like, you know, like, uh, like the, he, there was just something about Morph, man. I, I, I dug him. <laughs> I totally see that. I got that contempt, yeah. I, I dug him. And like, when it comes to like, we've got two directions to go here. We've got mm-hmm. a lot of great comments to talk about, but we can go, because we can go deep dive with Task Force Z, or we can go on the vibration of what's going on with Peacemaker. Yeah, go, with the, go with the Peacemaker bit first, because I feel like that's going to, it's prescient for uh, the John Cena show that's on right now that I haven't got to watch yet. It is the John Cena. Oh, you got you got at least you got at least watch the intro. No, you, yeah. the intro is it, it, it your life. Yeah, HBO Max okay. will give you the option to skip skip that, but I guarantee you, if you click skip, it's an American. <laughs> okay. Uh, absolutely unpeaceful. Yeah, you might you might be shot on sight. <laughs> <laughs> It might it might legitimately be my all time favorite intro of any show ever. It's better than like legitimately. Dude, it's it's, it's not really good. Leap. I don't want it. No, no dude, what do you got? What, no, dude, I'll, no, I'll look no, at no, it. No, Tony, like, I'm gonna back Tony up on this. It's better than the intro for the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's that's got its Ooh. moments. That's it's, that's saying something. It's better than the intro. I'm not the entirely Fresh sure what. An instantly identifiable. Fun and fresh and still hip to every possible American. 
No. Man, yeah, that's a, that's no, an interesting no, Jay, point. No, I, no, I see what you're saying. Like, like after the grub test, we're giving it to it. James Gunn invented something completely different here. <laughs> <laughs> completely, it, it's not a, uh, it's not a, a catchy song that you're gonna play in the club at 3 a.m. 20 years later. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's not like that. Tony, t- uh, take take point. It's we'll, fun. Take take point. We'll take flank. Alrighty. Pull it out of here. Yeah, no, I just got a chance to read this as we were getting everything together. Yeah, now we got a Peacemaker Disturbing the Peace by uh, it's Black Label. It's by Garth Ennis. So it's definitely going to be a little something something. So we start out, we're in a, uh, a military cemetery. It looks like And we've got, yeah. And it's, uh, we got a Dr. Sedgwick, who is a psychiatrist. And she's just sitting down on a park bench with Peacemaker. And he's <laughs> not in, he, he's in, in civilian clothes, no big deal. Also doesn't look and like John Cena. Also does not look like John Cena. <laughs> looks a little bit older. Yeah, but we we get a little bit of his uh, a little bit of his origin, which you know I don't really really hit on you know and definitely definitely worlds apart from what we know of Peacemaker's history in the DCEU and in the Peacemaker TV show, which we will get no spoilers at this time. But uh, we find out that uh, Peacemaker's family, his parents, were depressed. And he ended up being late getting home one day, and he walked in on his parents, um, his entire family's dead. His father's hung, his mom's freaking in the oven, his Ooh. his sisters are dead, and the baby is in the microwave. Ding! Jeez. And that's, that's, and he was eight at the time. And we find out later that he um, he had to call he had to call the cops, and he, they end up coming in on him. And he him he didn't know what to do. He was he was doing his math homework when the cops arrived in the kitchen where his family has been massacred. So that is just straight up Garth Ennis delicious right there. Yeah. We'll get to and that then he ends bit. up yeah he goes into the foster system. Adopted by a family, doesn't really seem overly attached to them, and then um, the father ends up, yeah, the stepfather ends up dying in a bank robbery, and not only did he end up dying, but they end up stealing his car keys and making off with his car. Foster father. While while Peacemaker is ten years old in the back seat. Correct. So they end up okay. this this. Crazy redneck-looking couple basically end up taking Peacemaker, and um, they want to kill. Or the, the the girlfriend wants to kill him, but the uh, the boyfriend and their names are Slinky and <laughs> I can't remember the. I'm, I'm getting there. Keep going. So yeah, they um, Scooter, Scooter and Slinky. They end up holding on to. They end up, they, end up, they were gonna kill him, but they decide to hold on to him because they don't want, for no other reason than they they know what they do to people that kill kids in prison. Yeah. All right. 
so they end up holding on to this kid for a while for for a while and kind of you know they make it a point you know he makes it a point to point out that they never they never raised a hand towards him but they sure would beat the crap out of each other just one of them violent uh, very passion heavy relationships from what it sounds like nothing can extinguish our love baby <laughs> uh, but we end up finding out later that uh, both Slinky and Scooter end up dead uh, due to the cops but we're not we don't know too much more than that at the moment so he, we end up talking more about uh, him getting Peacemaker being a little older joining the military working through the infantry the rangers the green berets um, SAS and finally Delta Squad and the, uh, what the country is he in if he's in SAS? Well, well, here, here's here's he's American. Here's, here's the thing, though. He's working his way through the ranks, always accomplishing every mission here. And the mm-hmm. the, the one thing that uh, is happening is he's freaking the dog shit out of this fucking reporter. This reporter is approaching him, wanting to do a story about him, and he is dissecting everything she says. And scaring the living dog shit out of her. Like, she, she's, like, can I smoke, like, starts out, can I smoke a cigarette? He's like, I'd rather you don't. And we get to a point where he's telling some murder mayhem stories that would only be told in the history books that got erased of the losers, if that makes sense. He's telling her some shit that, that went down that... Why are you telling me this? And the more and more things are escalating, the more and more she thinks she's about to die. And uh, that's the one thing I just uh, All right. that that's happening here. And, um, Tony, uh, what do you think about like about her demeanor? Well, her demeanor makes perfect sense to me. Like, you know, she's meeting this guy. You know, she's a psychiatrist. She, I, from what I read, from what it, the, the way I read it was that she basically was going to decide whether or not he could go on another mission. Right. But the whole time, like, it's it's not so much like her, she she makes perfect sense to me. Like she's trying to she's trying to understand him. She freaks out when she realizes that he's playing the exact same game on her. But the the, the scary part about it, like the brilliant part about it is the look in Peacemaker's eyes the entire time he's that. having this conversation. Look at yep. his eyes. Look at he's just, he's, he's just blankly staring ahead, just like a man who's not quite, not quite in touch with, like, he understands what he did. But, like, it's kind of sociopathic, I think, would be the term I would use. That's a, like, yeah. he, he understands what he did, but he doesn't, mentally connect with it the way most people would so like we find out eventually that every time like you said he, he accomplishes every mission but every mission people die and it's not like it's, it's not from the opposing forces it's like people you know, people are going like somebody on the inside is killing these guys one at a time very specifically and you know, Peacemaker comes out and says, "I did it. Yeah, those guys are all dead because of me." 
But then he turns around and explains why each person is dead. Yeah, one of them was an was an enforcer for the cartel. One was a pederast. Um, <laughs> so, uh, several of them murdered a businessman's family in Magad- Magadishu, Magadishu after Magadishu. a heroin deal. Yeah. Yeah, after a heroin deal went sour. So all these people that died were bad people. All these people were basically disturbing people's peace for their own gain. And quite frankly, you know, somebody had to somebody had to handle that. And Peacemaker was the man to do it. Is he the new? Is he a Punisher type character then? No, no, no. And and, and the the question I'd like to pose to Tony here, and uh, and for you to absolutely chime in as we go back and forth on this, I don't think he's a sociopath. I think he's. I think he is a very emotional man that recognized what right and wrong was really early, and we'll we'll get there about the choices. But uh, he's just too goddamn good at what he does. There, there's no vendetta he has where these guys killed his family or got bit by a radioactive spider. This guy just is, like, looking <laughs> at, at humanity and being like, these assholes need to go. And and he's... In, in, in conjunction with how the, 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 the television show is going... Like, where he comes up very comical and, and you know, kind of uh, nonchalant dummy sometimes. His heart's in the right spot. But in, in, but don't forget, this is a black label book. And um, they're yeah. pushing the origin. Like, and, and Tony, like, what, what is this? Probably the fourth origin of, Port, uh, of Peacemaker now? And, and like, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I freaking I'm not horribly. I was not horribly familiar with Peacemaker until he got announced for the movie. Yeah, until we we took our trip. So, we we did our we we did a what, deep dive. Is he, what is he like, D man or something? No, um, he, he's he's pretty low tier. Like he's because he's not even he, he's, he's not even the guy that originally did him. He was a uh, Charlton Comics character initially. Yeah, along no with, way. Uh, along yeah. with like, oh him, the Beetle. He's an X-lister. He's way down yeah. there. Yeah, like, like I mean, as, as Gunn tends to do with you know, you know, F through Z list characters, he makes mm-hmm. you care. You know, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. I mean, they made him. You know, he hasn't. Like I, I've got his first DC appearance, which is an old uh-huh. Blue Beetle, like a Ted Cord Blue or. It's either Ted Cord or the beginning of Jaime Reyes's Blue Beetle. So it's like 2006, I believe. So I think it actually is yeah, Jaime true. Reyes. But yeah, he. Um, other than that, like he hasn't been hor- he he hasn't been used a lot until they brought him into Suicide Squad with the last um, with the last reboot at the beginning of yeah. uh, Infinite Frontier, and that's purely to coincide with the movie. But do you think he's a sociopath? I, I think he is. I think, I think he is. I he like in this particular issue, he comes off emotionless to me, and he comes off like he is very black and white. This is right. 
this is wrong. I agree, Black. You were one way. You, you were one way or the other. And if you're if you're wrong, you got to go. I agree. Black but I do white. agree with. I do agree that there's no vendetta. I just think he sees things in purely black and purely white. I agree. I agree on that. But sociopath <clears throat> would have no emotion, and to let the television series bleed into my opinion just a tiny bit, his remorse about uh, killing Flag. Um, but in this, if he was a sociopath, he would have put a bullet in that, that woman's head. Like I knew that woman was a reporter the the moment I saw her, being having been a reporter, and. She she was coming off as like you know the the fake therapist I'm like no this bitch is a fucking reporter and um I, like the resonance this this issue had with me was I know she's a reporter pre- pretending to be a therapist so when she revealed it to me I already knew <coughs> but at the same time uh, the stoicism that he's showing uh, well let me phrase that. His coldness is actually stoicism. I had, I had to, I had to, like, uh, like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think about this phrase all the time. Remember the Rorschach uh, <laughs> quote: "Dogs get put down, men go to jail." He's putting dogs mm-hmm. down. He's putting yeah. dogs down. Like, and and, sure. and and near at the tail end when she's like, "Can I like please smoke?" He's like, "Yeah, whatever." You know, like, like it, it's not, it's not a thing to him. Like, he, he knows she needs her, her calming stick. And as he explains things, I, I, I can, I can agree with you that he told the story very coldly, but I don't agree with you that he was cold in the sense that he was trying to be cold. He knew that she wanted the facts, and he gave her. The cold blue facts, just like you said. Like, like, like. Here's what happened. He, he didn't. He didn't rationalize anything. He didn't say, "Oh, uh, well, I was feeling this that day," or no, no. He's like, "This guy did this. Pederast, fucking sex traffickers. Like, they're like they're, everything he laid down was undeniably dogs get put down." There was no gray area in that. Now, if there was some, like, he'd, like, done something a little bit more questionable, like, you know, uh, trying to kill Ratcatcher 2, which is embedded in our brains, then, yeah, sociopath. But, like, these are all, like, black and blue. (laughs) I'm sorry, black and white. Sorry, COVID. (laughs) No, in, in, in... and, and, and I, I've seen this, this emotion on a few men's face, including my dad's, when he's had to tell me something that really sucked. He didn't cry or give me some, like, you know, like, soft approach. He had a stoic face. He gave me the cold, hard facts and then let me digest. Um... I don't think sociopath. Yeah, th- that's my argument. I, I apologize. That was a long. I'm not worried about it I, one way or the other. I think that the uh, the opportunity to write an origin story right now 
when you get it's not I'm not gonna call it a backlash necessarily, but you got something that's got a lot of media buzz because it clicked and people are aware of it and it's got a star attached to it, and you're putting out a comic book. Alright, cool. Well uh you know, an origin story is on call. I can't think of the right word. An origin story is asked for. Yeah, it's on point. And whatever they're doing on the show, you know, that's the crazy thing. You know, I complain about what they do with uh, Machine Man. <clears throat> you got a guy that I think should be taken seriously and be interesting and should be exploring his humanity. And then somebody comes along, <laughs> Warren Ellis, and uh, decides to make Gar- him t- tragically Garthenis. ridiculous. Garthenis. Gar- yeah. Tony, yeah. Tony, um... Do you think that the approach to this Black Label book was the same approach or vice versa in terms of, like, who approached who first, uh, Alan Moore or DC approached Alan Moore, about saying, like, this is your chance to write the definitive Peacemaker origin? Um, God, I can't, like, my brain is all fucking scrambled. Um like, like my brain is so scrambled. I wanted to say the Joker when he puts a bullet and Babs like back. Long kiss, good night. No, yeah. not long kiss tonight. <laughs> Terrible movie. I love that movie. I love that movie. But uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, the killing, the killing joke. The, the, where the killing, yeah. the killing joke was uh, not really approached as as the definitive Joker origin, but it was so good. Everyone that knows their fucking mustard when it comes to fucking comic books in DC and the Joker, we all agree that's the definitive origin of the Joker. Uh, do you think? Yeah. This, do you think that this was an approach where uh, Garth Ennis was approached to uh, you know do his magic without peeing in people's mouths like in fucking the boys? We're not even into. Um, I <laughs> um, don't have that kind of time. Yeah, that, 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 that's not <laughs> a joke. The boys went that far um, to 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 give Peacemaker the hardcore origin that the hardcore comic fans would like, or this is something that Garth and I said, "Hey, uh, see you during a Peacemaker show." Yeah, right. Yeah, I definitely. I definitely don't know <laughs> who would approach who first, but I think. This was this was a definitely an interesting read. Like I definitely enjoyed it. Freaking, I think if it's gonna end up being as far as like on that same level as Killing Joke, I think it's definitely a time will tell thing. Agreed. Agreed. It'll it'll be interesting to see the reaction from the people once this and you know, once this really gets out and you know months and years have passed. Because I was thinking about that the other day, really. Because I was like. Because I've been, you know, going out. I'm a, I'm a collections guy myself. You know, I like getting all the issues of like, all the extinction agendas, all the Batman Year Ones. You know, whatever collections. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd love to have that. You know, but it's an interesting thought process to think of, like, when do you know something in your hands is classic. Like I remember reading Court of Owls, yeah, and that's really like that. That's like kind of a, a modern classic, kind of. I remember enjoying it, but like 
it was never like, oh my god, this is this is incredible. I have to have like every issue of this. I mean, it was in my polls anyway, so I was going to get it. But like, it wasn't anything like mind altering or mind blowing to the point where I was like, this is like instant classic. The the phrase is called timelessness. I, I actually uh, I had a three thousand level literature class at OU, um, Boomer Center, whatever. Um, we, really we did an entire fucking semester on uh, timeless, quote-unquote, timeless literature and what mm-hmm. timeless meant and what actually it represented. So you're reading, it, like, you're taking a standard grammatically standard literature course in fifth grade. This is where a comma goes. This is how long a sentence ago. This is how you stru- structure a paragraph. But then you get Walt Whitman that does like 30 pages of an entire sentence and you're able to follow it and it breaks all the rules and he didn't do it on purpose. That was just his stream of thought. And then they introduce this idea of how when you are looking at an idea, you have to look at it as a sphere. You can't look at it as right or wrong or left and right or black and white. You have to look at it as a sphere where this person whose ideals are this way looks at it this way and sees your American ideals and that offends them, but they still get something from it. But, like, what they got from it still matters. Um, it, 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 like, timelessness, like, uh, uh, I was listening to a podcast today about how uh, the Bible isn't actually a book. It's, it's a library. It's a collection of books that are some of the original texts. And with that in mind, comics are maybe 90 years old at the latest. <laughs> like, uh, if you're taking it like... Uh, I mean, they know, go back to Victorian era, but they're not like comic books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like, this is a fairly new medium um, that you can do whatever you want. Like, Shakespeare can, like, if, if you're telling the story of Roxanne and, like, you don't have the fake nose, but if you're thinking about, like, 1890, they're telling the the original story of Roxanne, and they're doing the prosthetic, oh my god, that's so revolutionary. Um, timelessness is, is a big deal. And, and, and forgive me, Tony, I did not mean to commandeer what you were saying. Um, what I'm saying is, is that yeah, we don't know if this is going to be, you know, uh, the long kiss. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> the killing classic joke. movie. The, the classic ki- movie. The killing joke. <laughs> the, the killing Samuel joke. Samuel Jackson. Is it a but, dick or is it a duck? But they picked the wrong, the right motherfucker to fucking tell the story. And and they they and and remember 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 <coughs> when we were talking on on the way home from Lubbock about artistic freedom. There's only so much freedom you should actually have, like, when someone can make something really great without an editor, but then we get Grant Morrison, and that motherfucker needs an editor. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. Colin, we never finished Multiversity. Remember how fucking irreadable ir- that was? And how, like, like, where the fuck are you going with this, dude? Like, he had an editor for New X-Men. And it wrangled him in uh, yeah. on a certain point where, where Shooter was wrangling in all these fucking acid heads like Steve Gerber and, and, and like, like, you know, just trying to make a, <laughs> trying to make a fucking yeah. like, decent story and, or something that people could understand. Um, 
I think <laughs> approachable, uh, radio friendly. <laughs> I don't just think radio friendly. Some the masses enjoy. I don't. I, I, I don't just say um, the masses enjoy. It's, like at least something palpable the masses can enjoy. But the I'm getting. I'm going to qualify it like this. Something. Something. That is, uh, damn, I had it a second ago. Something that is it's, it's that it's something that's not going to alienate your core readership. When you've got a flagship title and you put it in the hands of somebody that's going to change it, that everybody should be paying attention to how impressive those changes are for the, for the next 20 years, you know? But then you're... I know, I know what you're saying. Just don't alienate the people yeah. who have been buying this book forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go have your and fun. You, you know, hey, you just say you're telling me Chip Zdarsky's coming back. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. That means that Daredevil's going to continue to be good. That was a fucking celebration. Yeah. Anyway. I fucking got a fucking half a pack of Rolaids on that motherfucker. Um, <laughs> but, but, but Tony, Tony, like, do you think it has the possibility? Like, I don't think they picked him to make the... God damn it. The killing Long kiss, joke. Good night. The killing joke. <laughs> I think they picked him to someone that that could write that story in conjunction with uh, the in-between space of what we're, it, we're going through right now. Like, like we see Peacemaker in the pages of Suicide Squad right now. And he's awesome. Mm-hmm. But 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 at the same time yeah. though, but he's palpable within Suicide Squad and our main villain is Amanda Waller. But then we've got the yeah. movie where we've got John Cena who just like healed himself, but we still kinda like him. But now we absolutely mm-hmm. love him. But then like let's give him because of his questionable origins within the pages of an old ass comic imprint that doesn't exist, but like didn't Shazam and Black Adam come from that imprint too? Yes. Yes. Like, like, like we're there. No, that was that was Fawcett Comics. Yes. Oh, but that, but, that was but, Fawcett, not Charleston. Yes, but or Charlton. But, but the idea is still the same. Like, like their origin mm-hmm. story's been retold, 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 and and the Joker's been retold, retold, retold. We gotta have something people can hold on to a foothold. The, something that the 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 he's a dark character that the people that are really into that sort of stuff can hold on to the people that aren't that quite into me okay that was cool uh, I really like what I saw earlier but at least we have like a, a culminating point where like now we can all decide and agree that this is where it happened because like have you ever met anyone that could definitively tell you where fucking Black Adam came from or what his powers are even <laughs> like it, it, it's difficult and I think, I think this, yeah. the thing this is a wrangling in, and, and, and if you don't mind uh, telling us like how this comic ended, because uh, obviously we do spoilers, but like th- th- this one is a major fucking like mind fuck. Yeah, but now we are going back to the couple that kidnapped him when he was ten. Um, they end up getting shot by the cops at the motel they were staying at. But we find out that um, Peacemaker is the one that made the call. He's the one that tipped them off, tipped the cops off to where they were. And freaking, you know, the um, I can't. It was Scooter and the other, the other one. <laughs> I can't remember the name now. Slinky, Slinky was still alive after they shot him, and the car exploded and everything. 
and Peacemaker ends up suffocating her. Watching it Because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. He was outside. At the end of the day, they couldn't find peace. Yeah. He just wasn't, he wasn't far enough away to get away with it or to not be up close and personal with it at some point. And at the end of the day, he talks about everybody finding peace. You know, he couldn't find, he couldn't, you know, his parents couldn't find peace. And that's why they took their own lives. You know, and he, he ended up finding the suicide notes. And he ended up, you know, finding out everything that his parents had done to themselves, to each other, to their family, to their friends. Broken promises, soft you know, without porn, like bad investments, everything. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, that's what molded his thought process. Because at the end of the day, until they were dead and buried, they didn't know peace. You realize... And the last... You realize he killed he killed his brothers and sisters, right? I reread uh, that. I don't see it that way. I reread that page six times. He he gave he he says specifically. Uh, I'm, I'm at the page here. My mother and stepfather knew only torment, yet somehow insight had been born of all that pain. Now they know only peace. And uh, where is it? He says it specifically. Or oh, shit, maybe just have COVID and I and made it up. I swear that I, I got the inference that he's the one. <laughs> yeah, no. He, talk, he talks about them, you know, he talks about, you know, they didn't want their kids to live with the consequences of their failures. Big Ralph and baby Chrissy and the twins, of course. I, thought I suppose you'd call that the three of them collateral damage. I thought it said he yeah. was the one that didn't want him to live with it. My bad. Yeah, no, nah, yeah. My bad. But yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the whole thing is they didn't, you know, they killed their kids because they didn't want them to suffer, you know, from their mistakes. So it's just kind of like, you know, that's kind of, you know, this whole, you know, black and white mentality was kind of just thrown upon an eight-year-old one day, and this is how he adjusted to it. You know, and then, you know, he talks about everything everybody else did and the torment of the world, and, and he's like, you know, look at everybody, look at them, you know, not them, look at them, look how peaceful they are. As they just kind of like the last image is them on this park bench, and we just see all the tombstones. And other than them, nobody's saying a word. Everybody's at peace. So it's definitely like it's an interesting way to look at it, because like a little bit like part of it's like he's really not wrong. No, he's not. You might disagree with how he does things, but. The thought, like, the, the thought process isn't necessarily wrong. It's one of those things that's like, it's not how I would do things. Right. But it's definitely like, you know, if, if they're dead, they can't, they're, they're not suffering. It's certainly black and white. Um, 
Yeah. The I, 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 I think of it as a uh, as this book as a not so much as a litmus test as whether or not people can take this hardcore of a peacemaker, but as a jumping off point as where you can enjoy the like like one of the things that broke my heart about the Suicide Squad or Suicide Squad movie was that John Cena ended up being a piece of shit. Like that when he killed Flag and and tried to kill Ratcatcher too and the joke about he'll kill every man, woman, and child. Like, yeah, that was a joke, right? And then when when he actually kills Flag and it's like uh, I thought that was a joke and he gets, you know, put down kinda. But then we get mm-hmm. into I, I think it's a nice little like median where you're allowed to pick. Like, remember uh, two weeks ago we had that conversation about canon again? Yeah. About what's canon. Um, this is a nice medium. Pick what you want. Black label. Yeah. You hope you got it. Make sure you go to Ed's to get it. Um, but um, mm-hmm. it's it's a nice in-between. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, like, this... Like Peacemaker and Suicide, the Suicide Squad comic books right now, is very reminiscent of Peacemaker from the DCU or DC, yeah, EU, yeah. freaking the, the Suicide Squad, the Peacemaker show. Like this Peacemaker is, he's just like a much more hardcore version of Peace. Like he's a black label version of Peacemaker, right? You know, so I, I'm going to be interested to see if they're gonna. If this was just going to be a one shot, or if they're going to do you know, the typical kind of three issue run that they've tended to do with black label books as of late, I don't mind it. So I mean, they're, I hope I hope they do. I hope they do a second part where they go somewhere with it. You know, obviously this is just an origin story, so if it's a one shot, it's a one shot and it's done. But it was Garth. But like, I'd be interested to see them do some more. The last time we read a Garth Bennis book, man, like, we put the book down. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, the, the first bo- uh, first graphic novel of the boys, first trade, and it, it was it was difficult to get through. We, we tried, uh, Colin, him and I tried to do a uh, second trade paperback of, of the boys, and we got halfway through it, and it was like, this is disgusting, shut it down. Like, like we weren't saying disgusting things. It was like I, I don't, I don't know how to justify saying this to anybody. Like, I mean, I'm sure if my grandma decided she wanted to listen to our podcast, she'd hear me curse, us cursing and you know having a baby. <laughs> but there's no way I could justify ever talking about what the hell the fuck is going on with the boys in the, in the yeah. actual book. It, it was a whole lot, a whole lot of the bad boys of comics writing. These guys, these guys, no, they put was, these, these was, stories it was, together. It was another crazy asshole. How far can I push the envelope? Yeah, it was another asshole from Edinburgh fucking saying, like, you know, let's just see what I can do. And, like, I'm too scared to edit him. And then then Tony's like, why are we recording this? And I'm like, yeah, uh, this ain't, like, what we were talking about was good, but, like, <clears> like there's, there was no justifying anything. We were, we were yeah, we're done. Shut it down. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it really came down to, like, I can't believe they were actually... Because I, I, I really enjoy the boys' TV show. Yeah. And freaking... I was just like, I can't believe somebody saw what this could be. Saw commercial TV show out of it. 
Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's put calling it insane is putting it mildly. Like, like just the amount of over the top ridiculousness that like and most of the main characters from the TV show are barely in that first book. Oh, of course. Mm. I, I think it even transcends like the Hunter and Thompson <laughs> definition of what Gonzo is. Like where like you took a bunch of fucking acid and mushrooms and mescaline and you're walking around and just recording everything you're doing. And, you know, when you get back to your hotel on a typewriter, that's one thing. But like making up the most absurd things you can do, like 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 like. Uh, uh, we're, I say we put it on a trip set him in the tent so like Garth Ennis needs fucking therapy and uh maybe he, maybe he had some therapy and he has a girlfriend now or some chick at a coffee shop that is nice to him when she hands him his coffee I don't fucking know but whatever it is uh that wrangled him in to make this peacemaker origin story uh what it is um God bless you, and good luck. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So nonetheless, I heard we get some uh, new Silver Surfer. Oh, hell Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, this is, yeah, Silver Surfer Rebirth, number one. Give me two it's minutes, guys. a brand new book. Yeah, right. I mean, okay. Uh, I could tell this was trouble as soon as I looked at the cover, because I was like... Oh. This is so 90s looking like the art style is contemporary, but it's just something about it that felt like we really want to bring back something from the 90s. Uh, And it starts like any number, like dozens of space related Marvel books starts. It's uh, what are you going to do? You're going to. You're going to start with some characters who are on a Kree ship or on a Skrull ship, and it's taken from their point of view. But then a second later, when everything hits the fan, we're not going to be involved with them anymore. They don't have anything to do with it. And it's like, well, why did we start there? Uh, So essentially, the whole book, the whole issue starts with, uh, like, it's... uh, It's the Silver Surfer coming to the aid of Janus Vale, who is the son of Captain Marvel. And uh, as soon as they take off together, after this opening incident, they, like, Silver Surfer starts getting whipped around in time or something like that. Like, we just don't know what's going on. Nothing is well explained. Point by point, you've got a Kree starship. It's stuck in the gravity well of a black hole. Janus Bell shows up and is like, I can I can rescue this ship. And he looks ridiculous. Like, his costume is ridiculous. It's super 90s. He has the oversized thighs. He has the giant forearms. He's got a jacket that's open. And uh, whatever you call Like, we were talking about Gambit earlier. What the crap do you call that, like... His headgear? headpiece that he wears with the open a face shield? Top. What the heck is that? It's not even a tiara like Scarlet Witch wears or anything. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if that's a new costume or a holdover costume. I was like, no, let's just never change that. But it doesn't do anything. So... I just hope it has lots of pouches. No, there are no pouches on this headpiece. Uh, Wait, uh, you know, did someone like, say Rob Liefeld? 
now we're avoiding it. Uh, but like what I'm saying is like Janus Vale is trying to stop this thing from getting sucked into a black hole, and he's so he's doubting himself. Like I don't know if I have the power. I don't know if I have the power. But then the Silver Surfer comes in, and we got this uh, uh, two page. And he's just brimming with cosmic energy, just fizzling out of him everywhere. And I'm like, this is just the 90s. It's just 90s. Everything had to be power. Everything had to be extreme. And, like, (laughs) I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, so exactly zero of any of the characters that we were introduced to that we didn't really spend any time on, but they're going to mean nothing to us. We could have got more characterization we could have got more like internal conflict. We could have got more backstory or something if this was just taken from Janus Vale's perspective. Uh, but he's like bowled over that he's meeting the Silver Surfer. <coughs> but instead, we were treated to the internal concerns of a bunch of Kree warriors we're never going to see again. How do we spell Janus? Uh, and how do we spell Janus? Uh, G E N. Uh, let me go back here and look it up. I'm just making sure you were spelled with a J, because then they're gonna have the Greek influence. No, no, this is this is Captain Marvel's son. Uh, and when I say that, not to confuse anybody, because you know the contemporary comics reader doesn't really understand what's going on with Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, the previous version of Ms. Marvel. Uh, and the current Captain Marvel. Uh, it's all a mess now because we're just rehashing the same character titles again and again and again. Captain Marvel was a Kree warrior sent to Earth to prepare uh, to be the groundwork to prepare for an invasion. And uh, he ended up falling in love with humanity and trying to save it and stop that stuff from happening. And he was constantly fighting some problem, you know, it was amazing. And uh, he became a hero, an alien hero that every other hero looked up to uh, in the 60s till the, you know, and he had the Kree Scroll War and then then he sacrificed himself and saved, saved humanity. Uh, so like I say, Silver Surfer shows up, everybody's just like, Oh my God, Janus Vale is out there. He's a hero. Oh my God, the Silver Surfer is out there. He's a hero. It's just this weird one-upsmanship throughout this whole book. And then he's like, "Oh well, you're the Surfer. What are you gonna do? Where are you going? I want to go with you. I want to check your what's your what's your whole shit about." And then they fly through some yellow panel that has no explanation. And they burst through it, and on the other side, he's no longer Janus Vale, he's Captain Marvell. And it's like, okay, uh, well, I thought you were dead. What are we, why are you, how is this happening? And then they're like stopping a scroll invasion of a, of a planet. All that Marvell will say is like, we're here, you're here, I'm here, we're going to stop this. That's it. That's all you have to know. It's like, this is nothing. None of this is, none of this matters. This. Where, when are you going to explain something? What's going to happen? Uh, and they fight alongside each other, and then again, like Captain Marvel gets whacked by some energy wave, and there's Thanos because we can't do anything without the most powerful thing. It's just like it's like Galactus. Why is it always got to be Galactus? Now I feel like why is everything always got to be Thanos? 
Are there no new interesting bad guys out there? Are there other not interesting bad guys that we can try to make interesting? Can we do something ridiculous with like Tyrant or um, Annihilus? Annihilus. That was the main. Yeah, like exactly Annihilus. Nice. Like Annihilus is pretty interesting, honestly. I'm just saying, like, well, even that would have been like, okay, cool. Well, how long is how long is this Annihilus thing going to go? You're going to get about a good six issues out of an Annihilus thing, then move on. I hope, but I don't think this book is going to last. Somebody has been handed the reins of a glitzy, shiny, brand new version of something we've seen done better a thousand times. And I'm like, just because you slapped a new paint job on this, the colors are fantastic. The ink is fantastic. Uh, in the end, I'm just like, well, what the hell is this? Well, it didn't start me thinking. Yeah, it's just frustrating. What is all that additional noise back there? Uh, I don't have a TV on. Is anybody else hearing all this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It's all right. Okay, uh, Mrs. Morales is watching her story. So we're all going to deal with it. Because, uh, I, uh, you'd be my guest. Tell Mrs. Morales to uh, tell her story soon. Is she watching Danger Red Lives or uh, General Hospital? She's probably watching something on YouTube, 10 to 1. Nah, Authentically, long. it's like somebody is trying to fight in a wrestling match with a can opener. Listen, man, the fact that we're all three together is all that matters right now. Uh, she might, <laughs> she Aww. might, she might hear us. And if I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not explaining another black eye to another promoter. What happened to Tony? Oh, he fell down the stairs. That doesn't, that uh-huh. doesn't buy over quite often. But For the record, I am clumsy. Hmm. He, he was making a Peter Bird Dilly sandwich. It's very plausible. And he fell and hit his arm. Okay, so Silver Surfer, I, I wasn't hot on it. No, no, no. Well, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, is that, like, you're. you're it, it's been a little bit, and I'm not heating on you. I'm just saying that, like, you, you haven't realized the last time that. Uh, we got Silver Surfer with Donnie Cates. And the last time we got... Yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah, like Silver, Silver Surfer Black. And don't forget the way that he was writing. Remember he wrote Thanos Wins? Remember uh, where uh-huh. the, yeah, the only yeah. four people in existence at the moment was Thanos, uh, young Thanos, kidnapped by uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and then the Hulk. <laughs> Warlock was definitely there, too. He was... Definitely, <laughs> but he was just like a weird like space STD by then, you know. Like they'd gotten over it. He was space Omicron Warlock. Um, space Omicron. It was a terrible joke. It's my like fourth favorite Warlock. Omicron. Yeah, we, we, oh, we, your your chin grew three sizes that day. It, it, it did. I actually, I actually read that motherfucker's book when I was a kid. I wanted to be a comedian when I was a kid. And uh. Anyway, still yeah. possible. Still possible. Yeah, I could do it. I just want to be like I don't want to be one of those like lame goth like dudes like tape based telling jokes about like so who, who likes the cure? I sure hate that Morrissey. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? A- Did you say you wanted to be a comic named Taint Face? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> when Taser Face isn't cool enough of a Taser Face. <laughs> Taser Face. There's a guy that should have showed up at the end of this issue and was like, I now have powers of time control. You know, and t- then they'd be like, what the hell? How do we It would have just ended face? up being Kang. It would have just ended up being Kang. Let's you know, face facts. You know, Taser Face yeah. is played by Brock Lesnar, right? No. No. God damn it. No. <laughs> this motherfucker no. sold me the other day on Brock Lesnar getting <laughs> fired. Like, like. Released. Released, yeah. Uh, yeah. Budget uh, cuts. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about that. <laughs> way more applied, way more believable. I gave him the lowdown on your uh, if this is a work. Uh, and we're both uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, we're, we're, we're hoping it's a work. I hope so. That'd be astonishing. Triple H it'd be is actually, it, it would it would change things. It would change things. Triple H yeah. is actually in the Bahamas right now, watching everyone freak out, and he's already secured Kevin Owens' contract and laughing all the way to the bank. I'm gonna say we don't give them that easy that easy uh, product right there. So. Oh, I'm all for it. I think it'd be anyway, fun. Who's next? What do we got? I don't even What? You don't think? Bruce, I don't always come in and say. You don't, you don't huh? think Bruce Pritchard is listening to us and stealing our ideas? It's happened before. <laughs> totally. Like I said, I'm sure he's got way better things to do, but somebody is. So one of his underlings is one of his underlings, underlings, underlings is listening, and they're like, "Hmm, interesting." I would like to propose yeah. to you, gentlemen. The story of the I ring. bet you would. Uh, I'm falling into you can't roast me. Pretty sure Colin's got a bigger <laughs> one, but you're probably thicker, so it depends on my mood. Um, the rain. Uh, you guys know the rain. No, it's called the rain. This is actually a Joe Hill comic book. And to be specific for our listeners that are in the savvy, in the know, it is not a Joe Hill curated comic book. It is a Joe Hill written comic book. Now, this is an interesting story. For those who don't know of Joe Hill, what do you mean by that? What I mean by this is, fuck Joe Hill. What I mean is that, like, what was my checkout at Ed's that day? 139? No, 339? And uh, yeah, 339 is some change. Something like that. And uh, Ed's like... So Ed, Ed won't upsell you. Ed will protect you. It, 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 Tony, if you don't mind uh, telling our armed forces brethren if they have a shitty comic book store, who they can rely on, and why. Oh, you can definitely go to Ed's freaking. Ed will legit. Ed, I've seen Ed personally, and I've heard him talk about it as well. If you are getting deployed, he will legit. If you have a box with Ed. He will legitimately hold your comics the entire deployment. I've seen guys come in, fork over legitimately thousands of dollars for 18 months worth of comic books that Ed has personally held for them. Ed's the real American hero. That's badass. Dude, it's yeah. fucking badass. Like, like, like he, he's, he's a businessman, but he also knows how to take care of you. And I just, like, uh, like... I, I've been like, I promise I'll buy these McFarlands. I promise I'll buy these McFarlands. I just got my bonus. Oh, I just got a new new place. 
and then I finally came in and got all my Crohn's and I bought a new box. Like, 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 dude, I, I fucking loaded the fucking stack, man. I bought a new box, that Wolverine box, uh, new bags and boards, and it was like, well, it'll be three ninety five. And he's like, wait a minute, uh, why didn't you buy the rain? And I was like, uh, the rain. And he's like, and, and uh, like my mind kind of flashed seeing it like online. And uh, he was like, no, uh, you like horror comics, you like House of Slaughter and something skill the children. You need this comic book. And he went and got it for me. And I walked with him to be respectful. And, and uh, I was like, well, ring me up again. And he's like, no, this is a Joe Hill comic book not a Joe Hill curated comic book because Joe Hill has the Joe Hill uh, curated books he does for uh, DC um, there's been a few of them like uh, basketball heads and that sort of thing where he like picks cool like fun things that are horror but um, Mm -hmm. he made goddamn sure I didn't miss out and that was like we, we talk about it every fucking like Oh, by the way, before we continue this episode, we would like to tell about Ed's Cards and Comics by the old abandoned Kmart on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Powers and <laughs> South of Constitution. Uh, Ed's the best guy ever. <laughs> uh, he made damn sure, I, and, and I bitch about these comic books that, like, um, write a, uh, <coughs> a lesbian story. It's Palmer to, Park. Palmer Park. Palmer Park and, and Powers... Palmer Park and Powers. If you're headed, if you're headed it's south a, on Powers, pretty sure. make a left and make an immediate right, and then uh, hit that uh, twenty bucks for what is it like eight burgers and eight fries and yeah, that place is not. Well, anyway. Oh my place, god, place to eat. Place is great. Um, if you're from out of town, come over. It's worth the drive. You'll probably see Tony Morales and Mr. Josh. You probably will. That's not even a lie. Correct. <laughs> I do I do autograph signings there weekly. Correct. Nobody ever comes, but I do autograph signings there. Well, you're still there, and you get ten percent off your comic books, but then make sure you get your fucking. He always makes sure you get your discount. There have been times where he yeah. forgot to put my discount on, and then rerung everything up to make damn sure I got my fucking dollars worth, uh, just because I have my pools there, and Tony too, and. Um, uh, back to the Joe Hill thing. So he curates the comics. He doesn't write them for for uh, DC. He, he he did a lock and key, like back in the day. Anyway, you got to get this book. And you know how I bitch about like when people do like a lesbian or gay story um, as a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. not on this. It was like I loved you the moment I met you, and it, she's telling the story in reverse, and you can tell something really bad has happened. But she's telling the story of how we met. Uh, my parents already disowned me. Um, your parents loved me immediately. They didn't call me your friend. Or, like, like it, it, it was a legit, legit love story here in uh, Boulder. In, in De- you know, north of De- north of Denver, she's uh, waiting for her girlfriend to show up, and uh, there's this little kid who hides in his garage because he's a white sensitivity, and uh, he's got a vampire like eighty style like plastic cape, you know, eighties like uh, you know the, like with the bendy in the middle, like if you're wearing the fangs, 
and uh, you got the stuff. Oh yeah, right. Uh-huh. You, you got the stuff, and she hands him a she hands him a virgin thing of a uh, margarita mix. He's like, oh, it feels so good. And get back into the dark, Dracula. And uh, <laughs> the well, the weather says it's gonna rain, but there's another cloud in the sky. And then whoosh, clouds wash in like God said, snap. And it starts raining like giant shards. I don't want to say glass, um, but it's like uh, everyone that was not covered or inside was decimated by like broken glass flying from the sky. And she watched the love of her wife running from her parents' car after both of them had a couple in the head and they're absolutely dead and she's got a bunch of cuts on the side. Um, try to make it to the garage where the little uh, blade kid is hanging out. And uh, it just ends, the first issue ends with her holding her dead girlfriend. And how many, like, tens of thousands of people died as the skies just erupted in, in glass rain. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm such a mark for this sort of thing when they tell a true, true, legit story. Because you know how much I hate when people pander like, oh, it's an LGBTQ story, so you should buy it if you're gay or you think you're bi or something like that. No, this was an amazing story. The artwork was like, like I'm not going to lie. It's not the prettiest. It's it's like it's not like when you're reading the Sandman. Remember Tony when I was telling you reading the Sandman, and Tony and, and yep. Colin, Colin, I told you the same thing about reading the Sandman, where the artwork isn't that pretty, but it matches what what's going yeah. on. It matches what's going on and mm-hmm. works for the story. Yeah. And, and I put the book down, and I was like, I should have put some gloves on for reading this because uh, this is this is a big one. This this is a good one. And Joe Hill did it himself, and and I'm not a mark for the for the horror. I'm a mark for the beautiful love story. Like goddamn, like maybe something's gonna rain down and bring her back because that's what I really want. Because it was all building to how much she fucking loved her girlfriend. It it, it didn't matter gender or anything like that. It was just two human beings that loved each other, pure and simple. And watching the other one get completely destroyed by something you absolutely can't stop. Absolutely can't stop. Like, it, it was, um... I had to put it down. Just walk away for a second, because it was... It was that impactful. Think about it and finish the last page. Well, that's what I got for that, guys. Um, that sounds heavy, shoot. It, 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 it is heavy, man. And... I don't know, there's something wrong with the Earth's gravitational gravity. <laughs> pull. Um, <laughs> something wrong with the gravitational pull in 1985? Yeah, yeah, I would have said that <laughs> pretty well, but my head is fucking scrambled right now, man. I'm surprised I'm able to fucking talk like this. I'm, I'm, a, I, I, my, I'm literally hot, but my body is cold. Oh, yeah, you got it bad. Sounds like Lubbock. Uh, I didn't go backstage that backstage. You know, Rick said, like, you listen, you want to go there. <laughs> I remember after my booster shot, I woke up about 2 in the morning, and I was freezing. 
And it only took it only took me a minute to get into my bed, and because I, I I just like to pass out on this couch. But mm-hmm. I I crawled into my bed and wrapped up. It took me about fifteen minutes, and I was not shivering anymore. And I I was starting. I was like, oh yeah, this is that's a booster shot, man. That that was it. That's that. <laughs> but I remember from that second vaccination, and then uh, I keep waiting for something like that to happen, but. I think as soon as I get in and off the got in off the road today, I got some food in me and just sat still for a few minutes. I was like, you know what, this is way better. I had to prove to my work that I have been vaccinated to keep working mm-hmm. at work, even though because they're opening the doors for people like uh, on the first of February, they're opening the doors for people that want to come back to work at the center. Then I was told that no one. It is to the question of our times, man. Yeah, but then. They wanted proof of my vaccination. So I pulled up my vaccination yeah, you have card. Now you got my vax card. Yeah, my vax card. But apparently I was vaccinated at Walgreens 7022. Sorry. Uh-huh. Never heard of it. <laughs> Walgreens. Yeah, it's a Walgreens. Yeah, it's, it's, we're going it's, to get a PCR test tomorrow. Yeah, I'm just going to get one of those standard ones and hope that it malfunctions and says I'm okay, so I'm going to work. <laughs> uh, but I have a, I have the little test strips right now. I have one of those. Yeah, but, I, I don't like putting stuff uh, on my ass. I was like told they're... What? That doesn't even make any sense. Are you talking about those thermometers you have to take your temperature <laughs> with? That's what I thought. He's talking one of those fists he likes. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know with the built-in thermometer, you know, yeah. you, you, you open the plexi, it's like, oh, you know, the peel, it's like you open it. When transition, so, uh, so I, I think we figured out why Josh couldn't make it as a comedian. So, so the transition is the fact that if you are dying of COVID, that Harvey Dent of Task Force Z is going to shoot you up with the old Lazarus pill. <laughs> And congratulations, it's a suppository. Now, I've only made that assumption, but Tony, case off. I don't even know where to go with that. I know, I know you get distracted when someone says suppositories and we gotta like, hey, over here, like turn the light on like a moth, but we're trying to talk about comic books, Task Force C. You tried. You failed, but you tried. No, oh, I totally pushed your ass. Oh, you didn't. That was, that was a little, like a little lighter. That was that was the not best. even like a good lighter. That was the best roast ever. It's like a lighter you'd use in seventh grade that you bummed off your homie that freaking was like, oh. Hey, hey, hey. So freaking put on just you do your freaking weak ass potato weed. Yeah, 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 all those assholes fuck with me until they realize I could buy cigarettes and booze for them, and then I was God. Now, I know you can buy your own cigarettes and booze. However, uh, for like 20 plus years at this point, come on. I'm still God. And I live in Colorado, so I get everything. And we live, when we talk about that, we're fucking, we we talk about every time we like. Uh. Every time we hit that hard left in return, we're like, thank God we live in Colorado. 
So every time we know we're dead. So I'm just happy I'm not living in New Mexico or Texas. <laughs> but nonetheless, Task Force Z. We freaking, we find out, freaking, Red Hood finds out that Crispin, the guy in charge of Task Force Z, is none other than Harvey Dent. And he is pissed. Because <laughs> this whole time he thinks they're screwing with him. And we're not really sure exactly how much, but uh, Red Hood is not willing to risk it as he zaps freaking Harvey with his uh, electrified crowbars. And then Harvey comes around with, I, don't, I just wanted to talk. And he's like, I just want to work together. You're, you know, you're an unhappy employee and I wanted to see what you were unhappy about. And he's like, funny thing, Harv, I'm always unhappy. And you know, we kind of go into that, and we go back to the chop shop, where we see that one of the doctors is is uh, working with Manbat, which she refers to as uh, her sweet, sweet giant bat corpse. <laughs> <laughs> and then we turn around, and freaking Mister Bloom is there. And for some reason, he is, uh, he turns, you know, said sweet bat corpse back into, uh, Dr. Kurt Langstrom, though still a corpse. And they don't have much to talk, much time to talk before Deadshot comes in. And Deadshot's just basically like, what the hell is going on? You know, he's just like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to have a conversation with my uh, my friend Manbat in his man form. And uh, his name is, um, I want to say it's Carl. <laughs> and Manbat's just like, it's, it's, it's Kirk. It's, it's Kirk. Kirk, bro. Like, I'm in immense pain right now. Fucking, like, give me fucking. I'm just realizing I'm dead. Lord knows how long I've been dead. This is the first time I've been human and dead in a while. And he's in freaking dead shots. It's like, have you seen Jason? And Mr. And like, they're just having this conversation while freaking, you know, Kirk Langstrom is freaking out over the fact that he's dead. And he's just like, you know, I believe he escaped. My guess is he'll come back soon. Like nothing happened or Batman will arrive and assault all of us. And dead shots is like, great. <laughs> well, I'm going to go guys. Mostly because you guys creep the hell out of me. <laughs> and he's like, okie dokie, take care. And, you know, I love I love anybody that says okie dokie. Right. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta love a guy that's like okie dokie. And Mr. Bloom, like, the thing about Mr. Bloom in this comic is that he's not dead, he's not a zombie. But we don't know why he's actually here. Like, he, he kind of plays, like, a supportive comedic role a little bit. But, like, as far as why he's on the team at all, we uh, he might be imperative in creating the resin, perhaps. But we don't really know why he's here. And he's here of his own volition. But we're not quite sure why. And I think that's kind of what makes him uh, one of the funner characters in this book. The way he attacks so you go back to it. The way he makes the attack, like, hey, Kurt, guess what? You're gonna help me out. 
And uh, I assume you're going to say yes, but real quick, I'm going to turn you right back to the bat. No, wait! <laughs> like, it's... Uh... And it's, like, and it, it's funny, because he, he parodies... The uh, the doctor that was there earlier, because they call him you know sweet you know bad corpse, and when he when he stabs him, he's like good night sweet human, and then we go right back to uh, Harvey and you know uh, Jason Todd over here trying to come to terms with what's going on, you know because apparently this is a mysterious government operation on mysterious top secret missions. And he's like, yeah, you know, prove it. And Harvey pulls out this paperwork, and he's like, this could be fake. He's like, yeah, it could be, but why would I bother you to do it? Like, why would yeah, why would it bother you? And the whole thing here is there's this kind of like they're just kind of playing off of each other, where they're like, you know, yeah, you know, this could be fake, it could be real, you know. We're we're government funded. Well, actually, we're not. We're this is a test. To see if we can do this, like every this is all part of a plan. But you know, if if you know, this is like a trial run. If this works, great. If not, they're gonna come up with another idea. So we got to make this work. And he's just like, you know, he's just like, so why me? Why do I need to be here? And you know, Two Face is just like, because I knew you needed this as much as I did, even if you didn't know it. You know, I was trying to help you. Because at the end of the day, you know, Two-Face is apparently in this version is wanting to reform and wanted to do right because he's done so much bad. And Jason's whole thing is like, yeah, you might want that now, but how long is that going to last? At the end of the day, it's all just a flip of the coin. Now, there's something I've been waiting to talk about both you guys with uh, all day is the idea of power. Mm-hmm. The idea of power. Okay, so you're Red Hood. You just find out that Task Force C is being run by Crispin, a.k.a. Two-Face, doing some bullshit, like, I'm Crispin thing. Okay, so that's really fucking mm-hmm. weird. Especially, um, uh, Colin, you read the, uh, the graphic novel that I gave to Tony about um, when Two-Face was Batman. We're talking about power here. So when uh-huh. it comes to task force, um, and it's it's all the rage now, and I really dig it. The the it, everything's a suicide squad now, and I I love I love it <laughs> I yeah. love it. But um, mm-hmm. the idea that the most powerful person in the entire book wasn't Batman, it wasn't Red Hood, it wasn't the clones, it wasn't Man Bat, it wasn't Two Face, it was Amanda Waller. And I, I remember finishing this book today and getting on my car, headed back to work off my break, and I was like, that woman is the most powerful being out of all of them. Now, I'm talking about in terms of honesty. Batman, obviously, because we get the point where uh, Red Hood is working with Batman, like, you get that, get out of there, and it's Harvey, I told you that. All right, it's fine. But Amanda walks in, and she's bossing Two-Face around like he's some fucking third, fifth-level, D-level, like, fucking thug that, like, hey, you go take a bullet for the Joker. 
I don't want to do it. Oh, that's cool. Um, well, you're gonna get a bullet anyway. <laughs> like, cause I got this guy that's gonna put a bullet in your heart anyway. Um, she has no superpowers. Her power is her honesty, and that—that's what I wanted to get to. Her honesty is that she is honestly a liar. You cannot trust Amanda Waller. She is unabashedly a liar. And that's where her power is. Like, it doesn't matter what you do, or what you say, or you hit me in the face with a golf club. Because remember, remember seeing that girl's, like, uh, after Amanda woke up at, at the end of, uh, telling the suicide show, the girl that hit her in the face with a golf club, got her face shoved in the fucking computer, and no one batted an eye. <laughs> but they were happy with what she did. They didn't even stand up for her. They were happy with what she did. So they could direct uh, Task Force Yes to, uh, you know, defeat Stora. But no one stood up for her. Not one of them. I've never seen Two-Face be subservient to anybody. I've never seen... I know. No. What would you say? Not even the Riddler. Not even Jim Carrey's the Riddler. Nobody. But Amanda Waller walks in unpowered. I will fuck you. I have things beyond things that will fuck you. And you know I'm lying to you. Her, her lies are in the truth, and her truth is in the lies. And I just love the... She's, she, she is my all-time favorite DC woman right now. Like, you just, you just can't fuck with her. And, 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 and now we're getting her in the pages of Task 4C where they're developing a story where, you know, they're doing a, uh, a, like a litmus beta test. You know, that Task Force Z can accomplish something, and she's already been like, nah. You guys have succeeded every mission, but yeah, pull the plug. Fuck you, Harvey. Uh, Tony, you're, you're, if I'm not mistaken, your favorite villain is Two Face. Oh, yeah, I'm a big uh, big Two Face fan. Always love, I always enjoy when uh, they add some extra Two Face. But Amanda Waller... But yeah, no, it's interesting to see, yeah, like Amanda Waller, because, you know, like I said, she doesn't have powers, but she's always able to freaking make, you know, make situations work in her favor, which is always, you know, always incredible, you know, and she's, you know, you see, you know, Two-Face raises her voice, or his voice, to Amanda Waller, and she's like, you know... Are you sure you want to, you know, raise your voice to me? And he's like, I'm sorry. Like, first thing's out of his mouth. You know, and it, you know, and it would be, it would be embarrassing. Like, you'd freaking be like, oh, hell no, Two-Face would never do that. But, like, with Amanda Waller being there, it's like, okay, I, I get it, you know? And you will call me Miss Waller. Turn the page. Uh, Two-Face says, oh, I must have missed that somehow, Amelia. Did Miss Waller try to call me? Uh... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, Two-Face, he's bound <coughs> down. Like, the, that's, a, that's a difficult pill to swallow. And they have presented Task Force C so well that Amanda Waller walks in the room. It's all of a sudden the uh, your horse around the, the uh, substitute teachers, you know, can't get shit going. 
And Amanda Waller goes, okay, listen, I'm going to call your parents. They're actually called five or four of you, but you don't know who I called. So, let's all behave. <laughs> it's like Russian uh-huh. roulette. But yeah, now we're, uh, so we end up having Man Bat over here, and everyone's trying to follow Man Bat. And freaking, they end up in this other facility. And it turns out the guy in charge of this facility has a bunch of zomb- uh, zombies, uh, zombie guards, just like Ooh. Task Force Z. And freaking. You know, they're like, oh, you know, and they think that they captured Bloom and, you know, they think they think Red Hood for bringing him back. <clears throat> and freaking Dr. Shelley is going to be so happy. And then we see Bloom, who's very uncharacteristically gets physical and he knocks the doctor out. Right. The and fuck Red Hood's just like, what the what the hell's going on? You know, and Bloom's just like, you know, you you know, your side, their side probably isn't going to take orders from you. Right. In fact, they're trying to kill us all. Yeah, he's like, maybe because you just punched one of them in the face, you know? And he's like, you know, he, you know, Red Hood's like, you know, defend yourselves, but use restraint. And the next thing we see is just freaking uh, Arkham Knight cutting somebody in half. Oh, that was a gnarly cutting in half. And Colin, remember, remember how much I bitched uh, at the end of a siege when... Uh, you know, Sentry, like, we get that, like, giant, like, splash page of, uh-huh. like, Sentry destroying Asgard. But when uh-huh. he is hammering fucking uh, Norman Osborn in the, uh, no, no, the Sentry was dirt. It, it's a small yeah. little panel to the side. It is barely, like, two inches by three. And we they just get, tried to pack too much into that issue, I think. They really did. But the, the, the punch that Tony's talking about is the, uh, a gnarly, like, like slow motion, like, face, like, fat resonating against the, uh, and, and the glass is breaking. And then when he's talking about Arkham Knight cutting this guy in half, we get a Oh, sh- yeah, right. We get a shlunk. Like, like, I, I stared at this page. <laughs> I stared at this page. Goofy like, sound effect. Oh, it was great. Like, and, and, and like, uh, trying to show it to the glare. Yeah, down. yeah, I see what you're doing. There we go. Shlunk. Yep. Yeah. Shlunk. In in. Kind of like when the sentry ripped Carnage in oh, half. Oh, the rip. Oh. You're, yeah. And and uh, they're delivering. This is this is fucking issue four. Like if if I don't get twelve, Tony, how many issues do you expect out of this motherfucker? If we do get twelve, if we don't get twelve, we're we're, we're gonna have a problem. Yeah, no, I agree. It's gonna be, uh, you know, this has been a great book so far, and it's it's just kind of like, you know, they threw this concept out here. They're freaking mixing zombies with freaking Suicide Squad, and it it makes sense, you know. It's freaking this is all kind of play on a day. Like this is one of the plethora of interwoven books that have really paid off well, you know. And then we end up coming into this this facility. And freaking Task Force Z's, you know, cleared everybody. And then we see this this pale white woman, like ghastly white, who looks like the uh, 
they when they called Amelia, who's the assistant of Two Face, a clone earlier. This this woman looks like she might be the, either a the original or b another clone. Mm. But her name is because uh, <laughs> like oh you know we know who you are Amelia and she's like no Del- Delia zero for two. You know, she's afraid. She's like, I'm afraid my sisters both passed away some time ago. My name is Celia. So she's, you know, she is the the sister or the, uh, or it actually is a clone of the assistant for Two-Face. You know, and then, you know, he's like, you know, Red Hood's like, you know, we're uh, federally authorized agents operating under the Federal Task Force Act. And Celia's like, my ass. You're a licensed facility. We're a, we're a licensed facility operating under federal jurisdiction for extra normal materials permit number zero six eight. Wait, Jesus. you're the freaks that have been stealing our shipments all over the city. And he's like, no, you've been stealing ours. And Deadshot just looks over at him and is like, dude, you're not doing great here. No. And and Red Hood's just like, I heard it as I said it actually. You know, and as everybody's about to, you know, go into round two, we see another version of Task Force Z. And she's like, and, you know, we see the leader of said team, KG Beast, saying, you know, you heard her team. Nobody gets out alive. And we see Solomon Grundy. We see Victor Zaz. We see Copperhead. And I'm not sure who the woman in the corner is. Is that Lady Scarecrow? Yeah, basically, it looks like Lady Scarecrow, but I'm not uh, not sure who she is but completely. We got, we got Zaz, and, and, and just to really quickly wind, there was something when uh, Red Hood was reporting to Batman. Uh, rewinding. In Task Force Z, is the answer? Like, this is Batman beating up a bunch of thugs, robbing some poor woman with a purse. And him and uh, Red Hood are, you know, take care of business. And Task Force Z is the answer? I've taught you better than that. You don't get a choice in who needs your help. And this is like the tete-a-tete here. The only thing you taught me is I don't get a choice in anything. And it sure seems to bother you that I found out that that was not true. And... That's such a resounding resonance when it comes to that Jason Todd was uh, the least popular. <laughs> we, we get it, but but when when Bruce like they're like they're looking at each other, not breaking like you know stare, knock out some asshole. I'm sorry, I'm sorry you still see it that way. I'm sorry you still don't. Like the 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 tete tete between him and Batman, like it, it, it's something else. But there's there's deep rooted family problems here, and in between the fact that we found that Waller is probably playing both sides. <laughs> Waller always plays both sides. He's probably playing Batman all three sides. Dude, this this is this is the type of chick that like. Hold on a second. I gotta go pee when we're playing Mortal Kombat. You get back and she's already beat you four times. <laughs> like, 
she at play. Uh, you think she's got time for Mortal Kombat? Nah, nah, she's she's, she's too she's too busy killing you at 4D chess. <laughs> she already all the codes plugged in. She's beating with Johnny Cage, and you're wondering how the hell she's winning with Johnny Cage. No, she she's beat. She, you're playing Mortal Kombat three. She's beating you with Striker the cop. That's okay. That's that's dirty. All right, I can I, I can sign it. I can I can subscribe to that. that that's correct. Because Johnny Cage at least had some cool moves and freaking. He at least was kind of like he was like ah oh, you, know, you 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 can get behind Johnny Cage ain't no I was I I remember playing Striker just because I was like I'm gonna embarrass somebody with this guy at some point and I did. Man, I only, I only played as a god damn like that was so long ago, man. Like uh, I, in Street Fighter, I only played as Chun Li. In Street Fighter, I only played as Baraka. There was something about Baraka for me. It looks cool. Colin, you got an old ass issue of Fantastic Four. <laughs> what a transition from video games to that. Uh, it's old ass video games to old ass comic books. Old ass video games. Thank you, this is that. way older than that ass right there. Uh, I have in my little hand here a copy of Fantastic Four number 44. Not volume two, not volume whatever. This is like the original thing. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes I just uh, get done doing whatever I'm doing, and I'm like, I'm going to go deflate just by browsing somewhere. And, you know, I'm looking for other stuff, but occasionally I see something, and I'm like, man, I'm going to grab that. And I was like, man, what am I going to do with a $5 copy of Fantastic Four number 44 in, like, less than one grade condition. It's really not in good shape at all. But when I get it out of the bag and board, I'm like, dude, these colors. I mean, yeah. The the cover this is this is Fantastic Four number forty four. If you're not driving around, if you got a second pull out your your phone. I can't see your screen. You turn your your uh I turn my screen off? I didn't turn my screen off. Oh, hey, yeah, look at that. It did turn off. I wonder why it did that. <laughs> I was turning me off. I didn't want to see me constantly on the thing. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the colors, I'm saying, folks, minefielders, if you're if you're in the opportunity to, if you have an opportunity to look at this, like, you'll know what I'm saying. There's something about that Silver Age ink. Uh, this isn't exactly, like, one of the legendary issues, but it is. The first issue featuring Gorgon, the Inhuman. And uh, in previous issues, Medusa had been running around with the Frightful Four. Um, and so the so as a villain, she was known to the FF. But this takes place, like, right after uh, uh, the big-time wedding of Reed and Sue Storm. And, uh, you know... It, Johnny and Ben Grimm are sick of hearing about them, like, getting their place put together and inventing new, like, washing machines and crap like that. They're just, they're bored of it. Johnny gets out of the place, and he's in this incredibly rendered silver Corvette Stingray. It is beautiful in every panel. And sometimes it's not even, like, well depicted. It's like... It's a perfect side shot 
like, I don't know how to draw cars. Here's an, a picture that I got, and I'm just operating off of it. There's nothing like, okay, we swung the camera around this. I don't know. It's just it's weird that, that they did something like that. They gave it so much less livelihood or life lifeness, lifelikeness. I don't know what to say. But it's uh, still, it looks gorgeous. That that car, I can't say enough good things. And this is this is Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. I mean, it's Jack Kirby for crying out loud. Uh, his Sue is gorgeous. All of these guys are chiseled. Medusa, there's some awesome close-ups on her, and he really gets into like just depicting fright or concern in her eyes. <coughs> it's 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 amazing. Basically, Johnny's pissed about this whole business, and he leaves in his car. Medusa's hiding in the car, and she's like, I've got a vacuum pellet gun. You can't flame on. It's like, oh, how corny. That's so, so that time period. You know, just random. We still don't even have a vacuum pellet gun in our in our advanced future. Uh, but uh, somebody starts the chasing him around. Yeah. Somebody starts chasing him around, and they're smashing the ground everywhere they go, causing quakes. It's Gorgon. Uh, you know, Medusa's Medusa's powers are that she has the living hair. It's like she has super long, wavy red hair, and it can, like, reach out and wrap itself around people, subdue people. can help her, like, climb walls, or she can use her hair like Otto Octavius or something like that. Uh, but, um... Uh, but Gorgon, he's he's got this weird power with his feet and his legs. They're super duper powerful. He can cause earthquakes, and he can direct that energy to create a crack underneath whoever he wants to get. You know, whoever his opponent is. But um, the crazy thing about this is like, there's this introduction of Gorgon chasing around Medusa. Johnny Storm ultimately starts to feel sympathetic towards her, and he even gets to the point where he's like, you know, hey, look, I know you're being chased by somebody. If you just tell me who it is, I mean, we can make bygones be bygones. And I, I read that that part of it, and I was like, man, that is an, that's a really telling moment for Johnny Storm, who doesn't say stuff like that and doesn't take that position. And it begs the, the question of, like, was there ever the possibility of other direction of his being a, being more of a grown-up than just a punk kid? Because even now in FF books, he's a pain in the ass. Like, he doesn't really ever grow up. The same thing as Franklin and Valeria, who are not in this issue because they haven't been born yet. But for crying out loud, they've been... Like, 11 years old for 30 years. Can we just develop new? Can we grow those kids up? If, Frank, if, if Reed Richards can have a beard, can those kids grow up? It's just, you know, whatever. But Send them to the future, bring them back my cable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Don't Gorgon chases them around, st- stomps the ground, accidentally releases, like, the... The, uh, the dragon from a few issues before. It's just pandemonium, the whole issue. And no one ever gets to ask what the hell is going on with, and get a straight answer. Nobody ever gets to uh, it gets to figure out what who the Inhumans are or where they came from. This is the first ever uh, moment where the uh, where the possibility that they're from another race is mentioned in all of Marvel Comics. Uh, and I don't... 
dare say that in my Silver Age box, which is not here, uh, that I've got a good copy of this. But, you know, hey, geez, I bought this for five bucks. And uh, it's not a quick read because nothing in Silver Age is. There's more content in every panel. You will be over those things for a while. And that's just that. But, um, yeah. I mean, Silver Age stuff, guys. When you get the opportunity and it's just inexpensive, just get it for the for the reader copy. But I know it's all reprinted somewhere. You know, it's funny you say that because we have uh, decided to uh, graduate from reader copy and 9.8 copy to... Uh, oh, I don't even need that. Uh, we do. Uh, no, 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 I'm saying, like, I don't need, I don't need, like, no, I mean, I'm not saying I need to go out and find a, a, a Fantastic Four, number 44 and 9.8, but if I need, but, like, you know, like but, a Spidey 35 or something like that would but, be pretty good. But you rescued it. You, you saved it the way I saved every Dawn and She comic book of I, except for those ones. <laughs> How comics the other day, I thought I had those ones. Do you guys have comics that you have multiple copies of because you were like, I just can't let this thing be go- be out here? Yeah. Never on purpose. I always, I always end up buying yeah. issues that I've already bought, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. I do it all the time. Uh, it's always, it's always cheap. like one copy is always like two or three bucks, so it's like not a huge deal. I do it all the time. Yeah. If I find it's got to be rare enough, and it's got to be something that is like. <laughs> something that is a good home, like stray she yeah. issues or dawn or e learning or oh Lady yeah or lady dead or um lady death um uh, <laughs> sorry covid um or long kiss good night long kiss good night starring Gina Davis uh, I, I remember seeing the preview for that and then it was in the back of. All of the fucking comic books right before Mortal Monday. <laughs> right before Mortal Monday it was September 9th. September 9th was Mortal Monday. All the comic books and Reign of Superman were all about Mortal Monday for Mortal Kombat 2. And all my buddies gave me shit because I had a Genesis and they were all about Nintendo. And it just it just didn't make any sense to me because I had the, I had the BBC and they, they get their fucking uh, Mortal Kombat 2 and then guess who's got the fucking blood code, you fucking fucks. <laughs> you fucking fucks. Guess who gets the blood code? You fucking Super Nintendo having motherfuckers hating on me because they've got a Genesis. I'm like the one dude that's got a Genesis and not a Super Nintendo. Are you talking about the difference between some like green blood versus red blood? No, I'm talking about fucking full-on blood. Full-on right. full blood. Uh, Super Nintendo did not have the fucking blood code, but Genesis did. And they was fucking Dr. Bologna's fucking save my sister, whatever. His fucking uh, kids that were these assholes, like Leonardo is like two years old, me in fourth grade, he's in sixth uh, Luis was in uh, third grade or fourth grade. I fucking hate those motherfuckers still this fucking day. 
These motherfuckers, these motherfuckers thought that they were such the most hardcore, my dad's a fucking officer shit, and I show up, like, 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 like you're laughing, but you're laughing. Yes. But, uh, we could not find, uh, fucking X-Men 25, uh, X-Force, and... Wolverine 75. Mom and Dad took Mom and Robin, uh, Robin and I to uh, Birmingham to fucking Toys R Us, and I uh, and I find those in the like I find all the Fatal Attractions in the two fucking box sets, and they, Mom and Dad spend like eight bucks and buy me the comics that mean the fucking world to me. We fucking found them. These motherfuckers take these guys. <laughs> To Birmingham the next weekend because Luis and Leonardo had to have those comic books and find the same things. And I'm like, I fucking found them first, motherfuckers. And and then and then that that night when they came back from Birmingham because they came over early, had early, and we went and Miss Nancy made this fucking <laughs> bullshit. They're they're Colombian. I'm not hating Colombians. Uh, she she made this Colombian soup like this big ass corn cobs like soaking with fucking boiled ass chicken that shit was nasty and I'm sitting in the back room and I got my Genesis cause I always brought my Genesis and I got blood coat and Leonardo starts mouthing off and I fucking clock his ass and his brother fucking goes at me and I clock his ass too and I stomp on his flare cards remember the flare cards there was the flare cards, but there was the flare cards that were like super thick, and they were like five or six dollars a fucking pack. He's like, oh, I got these, and I fucking stepped what on those. What are you talking about? I stepped on his fucking cards, and like you motherfuckers. Oh, wait, I do remember those. I thought yeah. you were talking about a Coca Cola card. The, the flare cards. I stepped on his cards, and then all of a sudden, my dad comes in and grabs me by the neck, and grabs me out of the room, and takes me home. And he's he he's like. You're standing here, and you went back, right back to the Bolognese's house. <laughs> like, I found those For cards. the record, the COVID edition of Minefields has officially lost its mind. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you have that much energy with your head hurting that much. Those Bolognese's thought they were better than me because their dad was an officer. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> 30 years later it's still a thing literally 30 years later it's, it, it's, it's a fucking thing literally it's a fucking thing this is, why we, this is why we can't go back to the 90s no no we can't to Josh's flashbacks yeah <laughs> like, like, like well, they found out about fucking Wolverine is Adam and ripped out because I found out about it because I had wizard and oh, I'm buying the flare cards. It's five dollars a pack, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" I'm stealing from the BX like everyone else. Like you fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're so full of rage. Yeah, I'm pretty fucking uh, like a, a bitter, bitter rage, dude. Dude, I remember just fucking over just, our blood code. I'm just punching. My grab just, my dad didn't even fuck. You know, fuck that we're fighting. He just grabbed me. He just walked in the room, grabbed me by the neck, and threw me in the car. Literally threw me in the car and said, "You're seeing him." <laughs> he got the, all right, fine. I don't want that fucking nasty ass food anyway. And I'm gonna have to make more dinner. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's what happens <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you're Johnny come fucking lately and your fucking officer asshole dad will just drive your ass to Birmingham to find your fucking Wolverine 75 and X-Men 25 and, like, all the fatal attraction. The, the dad might have been a nice guy. Apparently he was a nice enough guy that your dad wanted to hang out with him still. No, fuck him. Actually, he's pretty cool. <laughs> Actually, Dr. Bolanus, Dr. Bolanus is pretty cool, but Leonardo and Luis were fucking pricks, man. Leonardo. All right. All right. He was fat. He was fat. Oh, man. We're not going to fat shame him. I am absolutely fat, fat shaming fucking fat ass Leonardo, thinking he's better than me because his dad drove his ass up two weeks to Birmingham later after I got fucking X Men 25 and X Men and Wolverine 75. Mm-mm. Hey, look, a Robin comic book. Oh, you know those are that's are those are pretty good. Uh, I hear that those uh, are fun, and there will be no childhood trauma involved. <laughs> anyway, um, please continue. My 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 brother's sisters. My, my brother's is said that you read a Robin Hood. Now tell me which way it said it was. <laughs> it seems like we're lost in time. Robin has been transported back to the time when Rachel Al Ghul was a mere bo- was a mere young adult, and we find out that his uh, his mother was worshiping the demon, and she wanted Robin to, or Damien to come pray with the demon with her, and she did, or he did. But then they were interrupted by young Raish. For Raish was a man of science. And Raish wanted to be humankind's savior. But he needed his mother, he needed everyone to believe in science over the demon. And his mother, while she was trying to, she was ill. And he wanted to help her. But she she had faith, and before he could get help her, she ended up dying in his arms. And then we realized that this is all just a fever dream. After the <laughs> tournament was won. No, no, I had a question about that. that. I had a question about that. Was that purely in Rachel Bond's head, like? Because remember, I was like theorizing that that it would be Damien time traveling for a while. To you were yes, uh, but it was really just a fucking swerve. Uh huh. No, it was it was definitely it was definitely a swerve, but uh, if it, I'm not really sure if it's I, I believe it is both of them not uh, not in one particular head, but they're both basically having the same. Dream or out of body experience, perhaps. But she's trying to get him, get Robin on the side, on her side, and the rest of the combatants in the tournament are like, "Should we wake him up?" And she's like, "You know, if we wake him up, we'll kill them both." And they decide against it. We end up 
going back a little more over race, how race never really accepted. He was always trying to be a man of science. But he believed that he was mightier than any demon, which is why he took the name Ra's al Ghul, which, as we all know, translates to the demon's head. You know, he ended up bringing, even though he was a man of science, at the end of the day, he was still emotional because one of the first things he made sure to do was bring you, you, once he discovered the Lazarus pit, was to bring his mother back. She came back really hot. Wasn't that, like, kind of, like, weird? I'm not trying to be, like, disgusting here. Like, his mom came back, like, after she died, like, really hot. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. I think it says more about the writers than it does, or the uh, the artists than it does about us. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she came back, like, obnoxiously hot. Like, like, no, like, wrinkles, just, like, you know, 18-year-old, like, Current fresh. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a little odd. I'm not gonna lie. But like, she comes back, and of course, she has that that crazed look in her eyes, as most people do when they come back in the in the Lazarus pit. And Rachel Gould is just standing there and just like, control yourself, mother. And she's like, you don't know what I saw. I was right about all of it. You know, in the pit lives a demon. It showed me a horrible future that will only worsen unless you, we free the demon. We, we need to purge the planet. You know, while Raish's whole goal has always been to save the planet, his mother his mother wants to destroy the planet to purge it so that way things don't get worse. And that's where they're diametrically opposed. And she ends up, you know, Raish ends up banishing her to this this island. You know, for basically her own good and the good of the planet. And, you know, they can't leave, but every hundred years they can have this tournament. And the tournament, you know, the winner of the tournament basically gets fed to the demon. That's the whole reason, you know, Hawk won it and he got sacrificed. They were able to bring him back. And then they all came down to Damien and his grand and his uh, great-grandmother you know and they're still trying to you know he's, he's, she's trying to convince Damien that her cause is just and she wants him by her side you know she tells him about how the uh, the magic of the pit will consume the winner and he's just like you know why do you want to show me this and she's like you know my visions were passed passed on to Raish and believe they've also passed on to you. And he's like, I don't have any powers. And she's just like, it's not a power, it's a gift. And she basically unleashes all this knowledge onto him. And she's like, you know, basically no matter what path you choose, the demon is always going to be part of you. And he's just like, you know, if we're connected in our in your memories, that means I'm inside your head. You know, where I could do the most damage. And he ends up turning on his grandmother. And basically getting out of this fever dream. And then, you know, he wakes up and he tells everybody that's Rachel Ghoul's mom. And everyone's like, all the other combatants in the tournament are like, whoa, that's a, that's a twist. 
And she and she's just like, you know, your victory today will be short lived, great grandson. The demon might have fallen, but the demon still lives in your blood. You know, he's and she's, you know, he's just like, you know, you're all just trying to do this to prove a point to my grandfather. And he's like, you know, she's just like, I would do anything for my son. Can you say the same about your mother or your father? And before he can say anything, she's like, you know, you saw the truth. There worse things come to this world, and it needs to burn to be reborn. And then someone behind her is like, enough of your lies. And then in run in runs Rachel Ghoul, Tali Al Ghoul, the League of Assassins. And Rach is just like, I should have killed you when I had the chance, mother. It's time I correct that mistake. And that's where the issue ends. Next issue, mother versus son. I don't trust it, man. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Well, that's the thing is that the League of uh, League of Assassins and the League of Lazarus, which is what Raish's mother leads, at one point was all a cohesive unit. So this could all just be a ploy by all of them to get Damien back into the fold. So maybe so, maybe no, but I think we'll find out in the next couple of issues. I don't think it's back in the fold. I think it's. I think he's the chosen one. I think. I think it's the opposite one, where where you hear those stories where there's a chosen one that's going to unite the factions. I think we're missing something that she's not telling him. And the fact that Damien has rejected uh, Rishigul, Batman. And uh, Talia, I th- I think he's the key, and I think this is more man- manipulation. And I think it's awesome that they started out with where we wouldn't expect it with a Mortal Kombat showdown like a Kumatoi, like you know, like like we're we're we get to introduce all these really good characters. Tinian just nails it out of the park. And then, um, yeah, he's gone. But um, I think this is uh, a situation where it's going to be more like... Do you remember watching the Mortal Kombat movie? Yes. Do you remember how... Like, if, if you didn't play the video game... Like, if you can separate yourself from the, from the video game and watch the movie without knowing anything about the video game, you'd have been like, what the fuck is this? You know what the fuck is this? And then and then we're watching Damien go through something that is ingrained in our psyche. A kumite. And then yeah. and then makes friends and and then uh not only that, he makes friends with Rishikul, who's just chilling, doing yoga on the other fucking island. Saves his ass, he's yep. he's died two point five or 2.99 times and he's able to analyze it like when when she got into his head and she's like I'm in your head he's like that's I'm in your head I'm in your head and that's my power that was gnarly dude like when he did the fucking like Royal Rumble flip (laughs) no I'm in power I'm, yep. the, I'm the one that gets in power. And then she throws in the extra spice, like, listen, um, you've been doing this for a while, and here's your daddy's secrets, and your mommy's secrets, and here is 
my cigarettes, and you gotta make a choice. And the only gripe has I have is I was hoping for the uh, training of Robin to be the right time, as opposed to you know going to Europe or Russia or whatever, coming back when you're eighteen. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I, I, I popped. Did you? Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting read. It'll be interesting. To, like, you don't really... We don't get enough good Rachel. Like, Rachel Gould's another one of those characters, kind of like a Two-Face or a Victor's Zaz, where, like, every now and again, or, like, Scarecrow fear, before Fear State, like, you get the occasional story. Like, it's few and far between. But, like, you never get those, like, amazing great Rachel Ghoul stories and like you know this is really they've utilized this really well to give us a great Rachel Ghoul story so it'll be a little see it'll see where it goes from here but it's definitely got the chance to be phenomenal I love your conclusion that it'll be a great Rachel Ghoul story Robin is still like uh as a professional wrestling trainer, if you were given this story to someone else to build, uh, are you building someone else up, or, or are you uh, given this uh, jobber? And forgive me, forgive me. I know you don't like that term. But I'm, <laughs> I'm only using that word because uh, people know what that word means. A, uh, a chance. Uh, what would you build this? Well, it depends on what you're trying to get across. Like, I mean, because obviously you need that um, that big time villain, that that's an established villain. Let alone the fact that this one has a uh, familiar relationship. So that's that's awesome to have, you know, the young up and comer and the obviously grizzled guy working together. That that's a day one story. But like the fact that there's familial ties there adds an entire new level to it. Let alone the fact that you're bringing in this even older character who is, while older, is also brand freaking new. But, like, automatically kind of has that that gravitas to her as she is the uh, the mother of Ra's al Ghul. So, like, there's really... I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could do. Put them together, have them fight... You know, have a third party come in who's not familiar, uh, a family member, and add in some spice using that. I mean, there's a million different avenues you could take if you really wanted to. So it'll be good to see where they go with it. I trust them. They they have. Uh, I gotta tell you, I was not completely sold on the whole Kumite thing and uh, I, I did pop right at first like you know the whole like let's have a fucking tournament but uh, the, the real meat and potatoes everyone that Robin has met or Damien uh, throughout this entire thing when he snaps himself out of the trance uh, what, mm-hmm. what, what did they say in uh, Colin what did they say what it was when you wake yourself up out of a uh, the Matrix, uh, self-substantiation? Uh, more or less, it was pretty close to that, if that wasn't it exactly. Like, he woke himself out of the trance, and he, um, owned it. He didn't, he, he, he could have done 
what Grant Morrison would have done, and the blood would have spilled, and a kaleidoscope would have poured out, and that would have been the trap. Uh, total avatar, but I know he's really fighting his grandma, and we've got Rachel Gould coming in, and uh, that really confuses me, considering how peaceful, like, was it, like, six issues ago, maybe four, when mm-hmm. Rachel's like, yeah, I'm cool. Just practicing yoga on this uh, random ass island that's pretty goddamn close. Random teleportation to uh, Gotham and having tete a tete with uh, the whole Bat family minus uh, Babs and uh, Nightwing. No, minus Babs and, and Bruce. Yep. And then he's getting set in time in his mind. And being family drives you crazy, man. Family can drive you crazy. You're the demon now. She, she showed him. She showed him the truth. Uh, the demon's coming. But I don't know if I really care. I just want more good Robin stories, man. Like, uh, what? What issues, Robin? Just like thirteen. <laughs> God damn This one's 10. It, it might as well be 57. We're 100% invested in Robin. Um, when we first started, when you first joined Minefielders, we were like, what, like, uh, 16 issues of uh, Nightwing behind? Ah, uh, price. No, man, yeah. Yeah, it's been a minute, so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, but like uh, the meat and potatoes is really there, so I, I guess I'm trying to say that if you're coming into minefields, we're finding the best ones. Like, there, there's some challenging books out there. Very challenging books, and we're making some changes and making sure that, you know, we challenge ourselves to new books, and but this was a challenging book. You can't just pick up Robin. Uh, yeah, just send one. You're buying up. You're just picking up Robin. You don't know which one it is. You, you, like if you walk into Ed right now, or Muse, uh, or Speed Bullet, are you gonna know what to fucking buy? If he's just like, I haven't bought bought comics in a while. Oh, guess what? Well, then you're just looking for the ones with the pretty covers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or the low. The low uh, <clears throat> issue number, so you're like, ah, there's not too much to catch up on. Yeah. And that's the best part. Valid all. point. Valid point. Valid point. But you can't. Do I like that. what you were saying a second ago about whether or not you would know Mortal Kombat from no no video game. I mean, it's the same thing. That's why these Marvel movies came in and introduced all of these characters and gave them all subtlety, nuance, and everybody had their own movie before putting them in a team piece. Yep. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. And you gotta trust your instinct and, and just fucking gross in the balls and buy a book that's not a fucking number one. Uh, speaking of number ones, mm-hmm. and I've been waiting for this and I wanted to surprise you with this, uh, we got Picard Season 2 coming up. That's uh, true. I do like this second trailer a lot more. And it makes me think, since well, Q well, factors us, so heavily into it. Give us, give us the, 
an original story of when Q first showed up. Oh, I mean, the first episode of Next Generation, Enterprise D is launched. Captain Picard is in command. He doesn't have his entire crew together. And uh, they, um, they're on their way to uh, Farpoint Station, which is a far-flung star base with a mystery attached to it because it's a planet that should by no rights have the technological capability or the industrial capacity to build a star base on it. But on their way out there, they are accosted by an overwhelming, powerful being calling itself Q. It shows up in whatever form it wants to, and he constantly challenges Captain Picard and whoever happens to be there, uh, basically putting humanity on trial. Seems to be able to kill at will and then bring people back to life um, or reverse his actions or something. Right. And uh, they eventually make it to Farpoint, knowing that they are on trial and they have to continue with their mission. They get the entire crew together and they discover very quickly that because of the arrival of an alien spaceship, which turns out to be an extragalactic entity, basically a living entity in space, uh, that the aliens on the planet are, they're keeping the alien in orbit's uh, mate. And so the Enterprise helps uh, to release this, this mate, and Q essentially says, you know, we'll be watching you guys. We're concerned about you spreading into the galaxy too far too quickly. You know, you're relying too much on technology and not enough on yourselves and your character and stuff like that. And I never thought that... uh, Yeah, I never thought that, like, Q would... I never thought that you'd watch an episode of Next Generation and think, oh, I'm glad we did it this way right now because I know Q is watching. Q would just show (laughs) up sporadically and be impish and frustrating. Uh, but he'd always leave teaching them something, humility or gratefulness or uh, uh, any number of things. But, um, I, I think yeah, you know, several, several months ago, I reviewed a Star Trek Next Generation annual that was written by John DeLancey, who plays Q. And I saw that on eBay earlier, and I thought to myself, wait a minute now. This this new season of Picard has a very, uh, a very similar uh, appeal to, to the uh, plot line from that comic book. I'm thinking. I, 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 I'm I'm thinking meta version, and I hate that word. Uh, I'm only using it so at a base level people can understand what I'm trying to say. Where if you were smart enough to keep up with Next Generation that Q's coming back. And, yeah, we get that mm-hmm. pop where Guyan shows up at the bar at some uh, at, at some random-ass bar, like, like down-the-street type thing. Yeah. That it's a challenge to the people that have grown up with this, and this is our captain, and 
I haven't seen Discovery or Voyager yet, and I'm, like, I'm so hesitant because I feel like it's treasonous to stray from John Lee Picard. And no, of course not, man. And I, I've got the opportunity to uh, enjoy the next season of Picard, but like, it, you have so many valid points about how many people are very close. But I imprinted on him, man. The, the like he yeah. he's, he's my he's my captain, and I I. Uh, I imagine that this next season <coughs> has a lot to do with people that imprinted on him too, because the last one was the ones where, like, you know, of course, Picard, and we we get all this great info and an amazing adventure. But now I think it's more of a challenge. Like, yeah, they're traveling through time, and you know how much I hate time travel stories. Um, Don't fuck it up. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. Like, like I, I just... We had the, like, the, the one bit of time travel story, you know, when they go and save the whales, but... Uh, I'm very much in on Picard, and I wonder if they're trying to challenge us as, as Star Trek... Uh, I hope so. If he was going to be there, they, we need to be challenged. He, like the, the trailer, he shows up, and it immediately all the hairs on my back, like like spines, whatever I can imagine, danger. Mm-hmm. And then when he did what he did, and then puts Picard as the in the past, as like a totalitarian, totalitarian governor. And wakes up in the body of such. You're still on trial, and yeah, I'm loving it because next generation taught me to be a better person. Pure and simple. Pure and simple. Next generation taught me to be a better person. How to be tolerable, mindful, and 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 uh, more accepting and. You know, I, I, I finished watching that, like, what, like, eight months ago, but, like, the show ended at, what, like, 88? Or, nine, no, 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 92. Uh, 94. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the uh, challenge. Yeah, it stands every chance of being good. <laughs> I feel like the first, the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, ah, this doesn't do anything for me. And in the second trailer, I'm like, oh, no, no, these are real story pieces. I dig this. This could be totally great. Well, we got we got, man. And uh, Tony, it's your turn. Ah, I think I'm actually tapped out, man. Actually, yeah, it's Colin. It's your turn. Dude, I can't go on any farther. I'm sick, and it's time to go to bed. No, I'm sending, <laughs> I'm sending the call off, man. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll be happy to pick up with uh, Devil's Reign next week. <clears throat> yeah, they Sweet. Came, <coughs> they came out today. I haven't got a chance to get to Ed's today, but um, let me send the call off, man. 
I'll do mm. it. Fuck, it's my turn then. Guys, minefielders. This is dangerous. And this transmission <coughs> is over. 